Hello and welcome to the postseason Q&A of Rolling with Difficulty. We've just finished season one and now we're here to talk about it for entirely too long. Uh, I am <laughs> Sophia, a.k.a. Danny, and I'm joined by everyone else who's normally on the podcast. Everyone else, say hi. Woo! Hi. Hey, how's it Hello. going? Yeah. <laughs> Austin has a look on his face that I says, don't do I normally part. do this? <laughs> I'm excited Sorry, to be included. <laughs> You're in the podcast domain now, and we all know who runs this place. <laughs> this is um my like uh, domain of dread, essentially. Now. Like you, if, Much like when you go into Strahd's domain and you get stuck there, uh, this, uh, this is my Barovia right now. <laughs> Um, oh. I am the big boss, and my CR is much higher than it should be. Uh, so, <laughs> as uh, I'm sure you all know, we just wrapped season one, which I'm very excited about. Uh, we had a really great time, got through eight episodes of thrilling hijinks and adventures, and before we jump into the discussion of that thrilling hijink and adventure, um, we've got a little bit of housekeeping to get through. So, as you may be aware, season two is in fact happening. It premieres this summer, with more specific dates to come. Keep an eye on our socials oh. for those. We're really excited to keep doing the adventures, to have a few more fun episodes and maybe introduce a few guests. We'll see. Uh, but we're really excited to continue all of this. And uh, we hope that you'll join us this summer to hear more tales from the Astral Sea. Before we jump in, I just want to give a little shout out to a lot of the fan works that have popped up. We've been uh, really, really enjoying and honored by the community that has sprouted around the podcast. Uh, specifically, shout out, shout out to the subreddit and trope talk pages that were fan created, Ooh, as well as TV all tropes. the TV, TV tropes, tropes page. <laughs> Is that <laughs> like by session two, like by the second session or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was it insane. was incredible. Real uh, MVP there. Yeah, Doing really, really work. fun. Um, and also all the great, amazing fan artists who have been, uh, you know, tagging us in your work and everything. It's always really cool to see our dumb ideas made uh, into gorgeous <laughs> pieces of art. So thank you so much for all of that. We really appreciate oh, yeah. you guys. Uh, and we will link... Mind the blown every day. Yeah. And, mm. and we'll link the subreddit and uh, TV Tropes page in the show notes below. So if you want to check those out for yourself, definitely check, uh, definitely go click on those links. A lot of you asked for a special extra release, our session zero. And because you asked, we will answer. Uh, coming up in just a, a week or two is going to be the session zero release. We're very excited to be able to share this with all of you, uh, mostly because we didn't think we were going to share it with all of you. So it's like free content <laughs> for me. I don't have to edit this one. Uh, I do yeah. have to edit this one, but I already edited most of it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> session zero was- You get was... to hear us before we're good and comfortable with this. <laughs> yes, exactly. So this is where we first uh, played the characters together for the first time ever. This is where we did all of our like mm -hmm. tech figuring out. So it's a little rougher than the other episodes, but it is still a very fun adventure. Uh, and I hope you guys enjoy that little bit of- uh, a, a bonus page from the storybook that is the uh, long and storied history of the Paraspora. In addition to Session Zero, we've got a bunch of new merchandise in the Rolling with Difficulty Redbubble shop. If you'd like uh, character stickers or some fun slogans specifically associated with the characters, a uh, personal favorite of all of ours is Stars Out, Arms Out, uh, which you can get <laughs> on a tank top. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, as, as nature intended. Yes, Should among, <laughs> among quotes for all the other members of the party, be sure to check those out on Redbubble. Uh, and we also, of course, have stickers for each of the characters and potentially a, a little man named Plug as well. You'll have to look and see. <laughs> but that is all of my very long list of housekeeping things to announce at the top of this episode before we just talk about things. <laughs> Are Woo! you guys ready to just talk about things? 
Oh, so yes. ready. <laughs> I'd like to see I you know stop shut me. Up talking about things, basically, yeah. since we stopped recording. So, <laughs> yeah. hell yeah. Amazing. Well, before we get into the questions that were sent to us from fans, uh, I just want to kind of go around and get everyone's kind of closing thoughts on season one. What were you, uh, you know, what were you excited to do? Did you have any goals in the season? And uh, what do you think now that it's done? Um, And then just, you know, let me know what you're excited for in season two. So I want to throw to Austin first because he likes to talk so much. Why don't you kick it off for us? (laughs) Whoa. Oh, my goodness. Um, (laughs) Oof. Okay. There's a lot, there's, it's, it's heavy, and I'm sure we'll circle back to a lot of things. It's, it's a loaded question. But more than anything else, when you pitch the show to me, there's a lot of actual plays out there, and they are very different in some ways and very similar in a lot of ways. And so when you pitched doing this actual play uh, and, and the things that would make it unique, my hope was really whether it's something that lasts or not, uh, that it's, it just shows people another way to play D&D. I think that's the like the biggest strength. Mm. Uh, like I enjoy listening to actual plays. They're not for everyone, but mm. uh, I, I know that um, the time investment can be a lot and you know they're not necessarily the most engaging at times when people are sitting around trying to figure out if they're supposed to be rolling an ability check or a saving throw and what's the difference between those things. And uh, really just the idea that anyone could be like, wait, you can play D&D like this? Mm-hmm. and and pick up a campaign that was like that was my hope and it kind of seems like that's what people are doing because i i've seen people say like oh i'm incorporating these planescape things oh this is uh gonna convince me to play D again uh and that's really the, the biggest thing i hoped for so the DD is the most fun you can have with your brain um <laughs> if you're not playing it you should be uh that's 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 my opinion on the matter as far as specifically season one i, I really wanted season one to be this the story of the crew becoming the crew of the Paraspora because even before the the stream starts, my, my headcanon for it is that you guys are kind of more like coworkers <laughs> um, rather, rather than a family. That, and that's the reason that, because when, when, you know, Sophia, when you pitched the show to me, it was like, let's be episodic. Uh, I think we still mostly manage that because mm-hmm. problems are introduced at the start of an episode and finished. But the reason that there's no time jumps between any episodes is because I wanted to make it clear this is the narrative of you guys forming together. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might change in future seasons. I think we'll probably see ambiguous time jumps between episodes so they won't flow directly into each other. But mm-hmm. that was my goal for season one. And the funny thing about it is that I wrote up all these, um, a few times I wrote down uh, ideas for the episodes and I refined and I refined and I refined. And then I had, uh, in my notes app, I had a, a list of the eight episodes before we started recording. And I was like, roughly, here's what I expect we will do in each episode. And I think with the exception of one <laughs> It played out almost exactly how I expected, which is funny because about halfway through the season, I was like, oh, this is going to change. I was looking at specifically, (laughs) and spoilers, ahoy, everyone, uh, (laughs) specifically thinking about the fight with prior Sephirim. I was thinking, oh, the way that I've set this up is that it's mostly the prior who's interested in getting Kiana back. Um, And I think that was that was made somewhat clear with the uh, cutscenes back in um, between the prior and the the mind flare that that we showed, uh, it's mostly prior Sephirim was like, so when they kill prior Sephirim, actually that might end the mind flare plot for this season. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, I'm going to have to come up with a different season finale if that's the case. Um, <laughs> and of course, you guys, always there was always the chance that she would make it away with Kiana, and she nearly did. You guys yeah. beat her, uh, but then 
as you're you're about to kill her, I'm like, okay, and then the uh, the intellect devourer is gonna come out, and they'll realize it's mind flayers, uh, and that'll be a cool reveal, and they'll kill it. And then you're like, I throw her off the edge of the ship. I'm like, what? <laughs> and I'm, yeah. I'm like, des- I'm desperate. I'm desperate. Uh, I'm like, okay, so they're not gonna know it's mind flayers, and the prior's gonna be gone. Is this just the end of all of that plot? And it kind of just, it's just gonna fall oh, flat. No. Like, how is it gonna circle back in? And I'm and I'm looking through my notes, and I'm looking at the staff lock, and I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait. First off, characters do not fall until the start of their turn. Uh. So technically, the Mind Flayer's turn starts. Uh, you you shove her off the side, and then the Mind Flayer's turn starts. Sorry, the Intellect Devourer's devour. turn yeah. starts, and the body plummets. And I was like, and Intellect Devourer, I've given, I, I, there's one amendment I've made to my Intellect Devourer's, and I, it's that instead of them having stupid dog feet, they have spider <laughs> legs, because I think that's far creepier. So oh, I so gave him spider climb. I was like, it was like in case it needs to like climb something. I just gave it spider climb. It was basically the only difference I gave it. And I'm looking at it like it teleports out of the head with five feet movement. Yeah, this thing can get right out of the head and onto the side of the ship. Yep. And then they'll plane <laughs> yeah. shift and it'll just haunt them on the ship. Uh, and I had notes written up for if you tried to find it like alien style, chest, searching for the chest burster. <laughs> but hunt, you got yeah. no one clocked what it was. And it just, uh, as a result, um, halfway through the season, I'm looking at this list of episodes like, I'm going to have to change a bunch of this stuff. And then this one little detail, I'm like, nope, everything's back on, folks. It's back on the menu. <laughs> and uh, the rest is history. That it's so funny to me. Yeah. It just flavor text nearly derailed your entire campaign. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't yeah. feel entirely comfortable just murdering this person who raised me. So I don't really want to have to look at the corpse. And that's <laughs> as far as that went for me. Yeah. <laughs> But that was such I mean, a great it was prestige. super dramatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very. Yeah. Oh my god. So yeah, that wow. that's so. Those are my thoughts on what I wanted as season one, and uh, sort of the vaguely the plan. I, I should tweet that list actually with the one redacted episode, so yeah, you can yeah. see. Uh, you, people people can see how things shifted around a little bit, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, honestly, it played out a lot closer than I expected. Even as we were playing through, I was like, "This is going to change. This is going to change," and then it ended up circling back to be close again. So. I thought that was that was funny. Someday we'll get that alien episode in because if there's one thing I want to do, <laughs> the fact it's the fight fact on that the we ship. could have had an alien episode and yeah. we were just too stupid. Yeah, we just oh, the fan art alone would have been exquisite. They wouldn't even need to change I anything. Already wear coveralls. Yeah. Danny damn with it. plug in her arms. <laughs> I want that fan art on my desk by Monday, but you all knew that was coming. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, but uh, Noir, let's jump to you next. What what were some of your rea- closing thoughts on season one, and what's something you're you know looking forward to in season two? Yeah, like I kind of just mimicking what what Austin was saying. Like I I didn't really have many thoughts about it being an actual play. I was just happy to play D anD D with my friends. <laughs> uh, but realizing that you know Aww. us and Austin uh, could in in a way like teach people that this is another way to play D anD D, not just like with the the rules, but also with the setting. Like kind of piggybacking what Austin said, mm-hmm. the amount of people that I've seen being like. Oh, this Planescape stuff is super cool. I I want to run. I like convince my DM to like give us a spell jammer in their next ca- in, in in our campaign <laughs> or something like that. Has oh, been really incredible. like and like heartening to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the like Austin, the way that you had molded the campaign, which kind of inadvertently, whether you intended it or not, to kind of be sort of like a uh, <laughs> a Planescape one hundred and one type deal, because it was us just going to different planes yeah. and we kind of get like a taste of what what everything is like and what. Um, you know, like sort of the broad outline of it is and, and how it affects people and, and what you can encounter there. 
uh, was really cool. And then also your, your homebrew rules as well. Uh, the different yeah. stuff, mm -hmm. uh, you know, making people realize that they don't necessarily have to so adhere necessarily to rules as written or rules as intended. That if you don't like how a monk works mechanically, you can just change it because that's <laughs> that's better. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah uh, we're all the, the the rules are not a tyrant, you know, they're they're yeah. an outline so that you, you come in with something already built up for everyone to play with and yeah. change them if you think they don't work. Yeah, like the uh, whole yeah. point of the game is to have fun. So if the rules yeah. are preventing that, you know, why wouldn't you want to bend them? Yeah. Yeah. My, but uh, yeah, those are my thoughts on like the, the format of, of the podcast. With regards to Virla himself, um, my initial conception I, and my initial idea for him ended up being a lot different than what ended up happening. Like the, the broad strokes were there. Like I wanted him to be a, a robot, basically, um, <laughs> with, with amnesia. <laughs> Uh, oh boy. The the and the origins of how the robot came to be uh, <laughs> <laughs> stranded in space. Basically, I left I left to Austin, um, but Swoon I think it was sort of in our <laughs> yeah yeah basically. <laughs> um, but our but I, I think it was in our like it wasn't session zero. It was like session negative one. Were basically uh, we just yeah, kind of like even sessions. yeah like the solo sessions and even like just us talking about our characters and what we sort of expected out of the podcast and Austin like basically like giving us a, a sort of a crash course on what you know the what the stuff leading up to the beginning of the the, the podcast chronology is kind of feeling like um when i realized in that time that virla would have been stranded for some unknown amount of time that plus i think a, a little tidbit that austin had said about how uh spell jammers used to be a really common thing but now they're extremely rare the fact that like someone has one in today's day and age is 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 a marvel honestly my first thought was that virla was like millennia old and the event <laughs> and the thing and the and the thing with uh uh you know him being adrift and stranded in space i thought it was like centuries before he was found by danny and the crew and so that moment in 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 episode 7 when virla realized that it had only been like a little over a year uh, since him being lost was legitimately relieving both to me and and him because now that means that like you know his crew is alive but having thought that he's just like this ancient robot or whatever my initial thought for him was basically like um a creature undergoing a transformation essentially mm -hmm. he was one thing and now without any of the burdens of what he was before he has the potential to be something new that's why that story um, that mm. he told in session five was so poignant to him because realizing that he could be something else um, or someone else really sort of got to him. The way that I initially saw Virla, it was someone who was very lawful neutral, but then after realizing and, and very organized and meticulous and even by uh, Warforged or Mechanite standards, um, he was, he was uh, a bit of a perfectionist, but then my idea was that after this event and then after meeting Danny and I think to some degree, Danny imprinting on Virla and, and making him <laughs> helping him be a little more chaotic. He realized that, you know, you don't have to just learn things for the sake of learning and, and, and having this knowledge. There's so uh, there is an inherent beauty in learning more and, and gathering as much stuff as possible. And so he still had the same goal, but with a different mindset. And then all of that got flipped on its head again, when he realized that, uh, through Maxim, he's always been like this, and so I think there. I, I think 
I think uh, in Virla, sort of uh, thinking now, like how he would be feeling post episode eight, um, he still sort of holds those ideas of of identity and being someone new important. But there's also uh, he, he. I think he really enjoys the fact that he he has always been like this. Aww. Um, yeah. And also, like, there's that whole stuff about him being uh, super traumatized by the fact that he lost his whole crew. Yeah. Um, there have been moments throughout. There have been moments throughout the episodes where um, Virla, whenever his friends are threatened, or whenever he is reminded of his old crew, he sort of shuts down and becomes a bit more colder, a bit less emotional, a bit more robotic. Um, and I think Austin had sort of uh, zeroed in on that and sort of mentioned that in one of the. Uh, the Wednesday Q and A's on Twitter, uh, but yeah, that I was, was, that was very much intentional. You. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I didn't want, I didn't want to just derail this too quick. But I want to say, did you know going into the character that Vila was going to have this like ghost Terminator mode aspect <laughs> yeah, to his character? Absolutely. You did. Yeah, go red. We know. Because it shocked me when you did it the first time, and then every time after, I was like, I'm surprised. And I was like, I shouldn't be surprised. Vila yeah. shows yes. this is how he does it. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was, it was very much a. a a deliberate choice that I had made that he, you know, for, for whoever he was before, you know, the event that made him lose all those memories, he's, he very much cared for that crew and realizing very much so afterwards that he had lost it yeah, to him. And I don't know, it's like the, the, because what wasn't mentioned and what happened in the, in the, in the negative session, negative one is that he was, he was aware of the events that directly led to him losing his memory he like I believe something happened that caused him to black out, and then when he came to, everyone was gone. There was no there were, there were no bodies. There were no remnants. It was a ghost ship. The Githyanki who had taken him were gone. He had no idea what happened. And then there was some period of time where he basically had to uh, do triage on the Paraspora, mm -hmm. and basically get it back to even just like a a a, a functioning state where he could just even survive. Um, and then that's when he kind of went to sleep and then Danny found him. Um, but he was so lonely during oh. that time. And 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 that got to him. And so uh, he, he was Oof. very much grateful to have a new crew. But anytime that he's reminded of the fact that he lost his first crew, it, it, it shut him down. So, oh, yeah, that was boy. deliberate. I intended that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Heartbreaking. But all that, all that, that stuff. yeah, all, all <laughs> that because I knew that the payoff of, of, of this sense of family thing, because I, I had a sense that Austin was was having <laughs> season one kind of be like, this is how the crew gets together. Um, I knew that that those ideas that I had for Viola would mesh well with that as well, mm -hmm. um, and it did. Like he's uh, by season eight even. Or season eight, wow. <laughs> season eight, by, a buckle Flash the forward up. to the future. <laughs> yeah. By episode eight, um, even, you know, after realizing that not only does he remember his crew now, like the names of his crew, but that they could potentially be alive, yeah. maybe, was so relieving to him. And then now he has a, I'm not going to go so far, but he has, he kind of has a permanent friend and docent now that he really did sort of like open up a bit more emotionally in that last episode so oh yeah, yeah. exquisite uh, beautiful i'm interested to see where he goes i'm interested too i want to see what the robot does uh <laughs> i was just going through us Show in order of whose discord window is where so by that logic i'm next uh <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, tell I, us about how you feel about season one and Danny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. share. Go ahead, share. Okay, yeah. I'll take the sharing <laughs> stick. Uh, so. <laughs> You have the conk. <laughs> yes. Uh, so for those who don't know the audience, I produce the show, which means that I do all the prep work and edit it. Anything that's not story-based is probably me behind the scenes. So a lot of my thoughts going into season one were more focused on the tech side and how can I play a character and have a good time, but still like not be thinking so much that I kind of don't have time to keep track of all the logistics. Uh, so for Danny, when I developed her, I really was just like, here's a pure character is very very simple motivations very like you know comprehensible how can i how can i just like go play and like see what happens as i let her experience the world right uh so that's why she has like very little in terms of backstory going on you know street rat uh riffraff work to the heat that's (laughs) the gist of what i sent austin um you know, she got a little buddy plug, but uh, I, I've been really in- enjoying getting to like actually react to the world because you know when you come up with a character like that, you don't really know what they're gonna turn into, and I think what she's turned into is a fucking blast. Uh, oh yeah, in more ways than <laughs> Liter- one. Literally, literally, literally hey, and hey. figuratively. Well, nice to know we all made the same joke. <laughs> <Hey. laughs> yeah, she sort of teed it up. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, what, uh, so going into each session, you know, I I slowly but surely developed a few goals. Most of them were just having good time and tied into that was make austin do an exasperated sigh which i feel like the audience has probably picked up on by now um make noir do that laugh he does when we have the exact same dumb thought at the same time you can see an example of that in the yeah. home alone <laughs> discussion from episode god four <laughs> oh just, god uh, and so you know kind of like in line with that in season two i'm excited to maybe go a little deeper with danny and uh get to see yes. more of what yes. makes her tick beyond just fun funky street rat with a penchant for fire uh I th- you know i think that's what her origin was but she's very flexible and i'm excited to see how her experiences and particularly you know the death of a friend of hers egan uh is gonna affect her going mm, forward yeah. um, hopefully we'll get to spend a little more time in the city of brass too we'll see you know what happens in the future you know now that it is coded as the city of philadelphia it might mean <laughs> i might need to make a, <laughs> a little little crash course for uh, austin but um <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, there's a lot of things I'm looking forward to in season two, so nailing down just one is hard to say. But I'm excited to see how the character grows and develops now that I can focus a bit more on her as a character and less on like how to make the show function. So uh, yes, good. yeah, that's sort of my take on the last two seasons. Um, and of course, I do intend on getting more fire spells. Do do not fear. Good. Fireball More is fire. en route. As soon as I level up high enough to get it, it is going to get My added goodness. to that. I think it actually is technically always prepared according to the Artificer class that I have. Yeah. <laughs> wow. it's, it's, one of your, it's one of your expanded list node spells when you get yep. third level spells at level yep, nine. That's, uh, that's what Scorching Ray is as well. Uh, so <laughs> it's one of those that I just like, even if I wanted to not have it, I couldn't. So um, I am hmm. very pleased with how that's turning out. Uh, Hell yeah. Yeah. Perfect. But uh, that's that's me handled. So, uh, Wally, tell us a little bit about, you know, closing thoughts on season one and what you're looking forward to in the future. Oh, God. Um, season one. <laughs> uh, it's brand new table. I've only played with Austin. Um, having to meet Noir, um, Sophia, and Red, just fantastic players. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Couldn't I could not ask for a better table. Um, oh, also, cool. it was an opportunity uh, for me to play a new, different kind of character. Um, normally, I, I play more abrasive, more chaotic uh, characters. Oh. So Fimbar <laughs> was um, a, a bit of a challenge for me at times. Uh, but uh, I, I think I did a decent job. A very, well, um, a very much yeah. needed well, calming <laughs> influence at the table. <laughs> yeah. What people don't know 
shows how much yeah. Wally's playing against type by playing the, <laughs> the realization that you you play like evil characters and that seems to be kind of like your niche and then is such a was a slap in the face to me personally because this whoa. just raises the question of like how do we complete Finbar's inevitable arc into, like how do we make Finbar that the big bad evil me. guy? <laughs> So much. <laughs> Season two episode, Finbar gets temporarily turned Ooh. evil and we are all screwed. <laughs> Let's just hope we never have to meet evil Finbar, okay? Ooh, um, yeah. It scares me. Hold on, I gotta write down the evil <laughs> uh, I broke the cardinal rule of D&D. Never give no. the DM any ideas that would be worse than the current status quo. Uh, but yeah, no, this was like a fantastic first season. I, I don't think it could have gone any better. I couldn't ask for a better table, better DM. I'm just happy to be here. Oh, thanks, Finbar. Yeah. Oh, is there something was, was in specific anything... you're listening, looking forward to yeah. in season two? Season two. Oh, Finbar, okay. Um, I, I, Austin <laughs> knows. Like I, I think about D and D and role playing all the time and storytelling. Um, and I'm, I have a list of interesting ideas that I could pitch to him, something he could play around with. Um, and, you know, maybe it'll be like a fun side shot or, you know, a subplot going into this new season. You know, let's make it a little yeah. juicy. You know, if I can't play a chaotic character, I can at least suggest a chaotic uh, <laughs> You can sow the adventure. seeds of dissent even chaos. if you aren't the one actually yeah. causing the chaos, you know? Um, oh, only no. Austin knows what I'm talking about, but maybe <laughs> placing a bag of beans somewhere might, you know... Uh, yes. Oh, oh God. No. The, the bag legendary of bag of magic beans. items are if, the okay, best wait, magic wait, wait. items Here's... in the game. <laughs> I, I'm scared okay. that he's talking about something entirely I have, different. I actually have a really quick question for Wally uh, before yes. we move on to Red, which is, <laughs> Wally, okay, so, context. Uh, uh, Wally, we, uh, we lived together for a couple months, uh, and during that time... I only ever saw you cook either an omelet of five eggs or the most rice and beans I've ever seen at once. So yeah. what made you decide you wanted to be a, 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 a culinary guy in this campaign? Um, <laughs> I like to stretch my feet. I, I'm a very simple guy in terms of the food that I eat. I'm not very picky and I'll, I'll eat mm. for sustenance. Mm. So being able to play something <laughs> completely opposite of that is just like, okay, how do I just like not be me for a solid, you know, three and a half hours at the table? And um, it makes our season one so opening fun. omelet fight even more appropriate and apt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, wow. <laughs> oh, I, the, I had to call an omelet because that is, that, an omelet is the fanciest thing I can cook. So. The real question, do you have put five eggs on it? Five eggs, you said? That's a pretty oh, big I, omelet. Oh, I have a famous eight egg omelet, yes. Whoa. Eight egg? <laughs> yes. That's gotta it's, be like an inch thick in the middle. You guys it's have like, never seen, it's like, it's you like guys have never seen Wally eat an it's, entire pack of Oreos in a sitting. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. Um, hopefully you guys never have to see me eat that much. Anymore, so. Incredible. Not pretty. Wow, we're getting some deep lore this time. Yes, truly we've unraveled. The th we're pulling at the threads that make each of us, like, not just the characters that we play, but the people that we are. Uh, so, you know, jumping I, on. I have a, <laughs> yeah, please. I have a question for Wally. Uh, oh, no. You, you, the, the, the first season it, yeah. was kind of, like, a lot A lot of the, the plot points relied, like, sort of, were focused kind of a lot on Kiana, a uh -huh. little bit, a little bit on Virla, kind of in, like, 6, 7, right, uh, right. whatever. Um but just like that one little taste of like going into the Feywild and realizing that you have this like big ass family. And then also just like throughout the throughout the season, um, you mentioning just sort of like this chef's guild uh, raises the image of someone who has this who has kind of a lot 
ha- like planned part, like a sort of fa- <laughs> oh, backstory no but just we didn't have a chance to like get into that um yeah code of plot I, I, hooks on that one <laughs> yeah i'd like I, I i i don't know if you had any expectations regarding like stuff that you intended to come out uh during season one that inevitably inevitably will probably you know come to light in season two i have like five pages of backstory <laughs> oh no um but finbar is inherently a very grounded character um yeah. and i think that's important have in uh, a party uh, mm-hmm. of characters that we have so it was important for me to create a character that's a little more involved in the world around him so i kind of went a little crazy and i shoved whatever i could in there you know chef's <laughs> guild big family in the fate i have a follow-up question um yeah <laughs> oh no <laughs> I go ahead. Really yeah, want to see more of Finbar. Like, what's the yeah. deal with Annalise? Can we talk about that? Oh, her. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't worry about it. You Ooh. don't really want to know about it. Ooh. Don't make it a thing, guys. I, what okay. I love about Finbar is like he's clearly like bristling with plot hooks, but they're all just so normal for him that he's like, oh yeah, you know, I might have like a like a blood vendetta against this guy. It's whatever. We'll take care of it. Like, don't don't worry about it. And it's just so delightful. Mm-hmm. It's like, how can I? Yeah. Well, I mean, the crew has a lot of things happening to them. Kiana's constantly. <laughs> getting kidnapped yeah. Danny's blowing things up so the things going on in Timbo's <laughs> life don't really take uh, front yeah. seat to a with lot so of many adventures. characters it's like oh I can't wait for them to find out my backstory and how deep I am and with Timbo it's like we don't need to deal with this right now okay <laughs> we're yeah. fine yeah. everything's cool have some snacks yep yep I loved yeah. um, I, I, real quick I want to say that uh, you guys all gave me such wildly different amounts and types of backstory <laughs> um, Virla uh noir you came at me with uh like this very solid character concept but you're like character has amnesia and i was like okay cool so i have all this place all the space i can play in but i know like what the end like i I know where the story i write has to end Mm -hmm. Mm because this is what you're giving me about your character already sophia for danny you gave me it was just like like bullet points uh you were like yeah like this is her vibe this is where she's from this is a bit of the deal like okay so there's you know we, i can fill in some like characters here that's where Otto. Otto was sort of mm-hmm. like an us creation unlike some other npcs that are just me uh Otto was very much like we both like kind of came up with this character uh red you gave me not you were like monk question mark also yeah. we'll, we'll also, get there when i get my turn yeah. <laughs> you, you yeah. basically gave me a race in a class and you were like i don't know like she runs away or something the like, arms okay, were yeah, your idea even so were, were it, they? um you, you were like you were like yeah i feel like you were like pitch me on stuff and i was like okay so here's some ideas here's some ideas and uh we eventually ended up where we are uh Wally wrote me like <laughs> five pages of backstory. Ooh, yeah, oh, it was yeah. Oh huge, <laughs> and we actually played through a ton of it in session zero. You Just got a little bit. Meet, uh, yeah, you got to see like a bunch of stuff that he had written about, which is really fun to like take the thing that he had written about. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I was back home and we, I had this fight with Displacer Beast and Blink Dogs, and I got to be oh. like, yeah, here's that combat. Yeah, that uh, was fun. He, yeah. he lived through it now, which is super fun. But fancy. That's so fun. Uh, yeah, to, this is all to say that Finbar has like so much, but because none of it was uh, particularly <laughs> providing like conflict at the time, it was, uh, it, I wanted to give a sprinkle of it, which is why I went to the Feywild. Originally, originally my idea was that it was going to be a, um, 
uh, an adventure for the for the Gorman Guild. It was going to be for the Searing Tongue. Oh, that would have been fun. Uh, and you guys were going to learn about that piece of his backstory. Yeah. But uh, a little bit before, I think before we even started recording, I changed my mind and I said, no, 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 I want to go to the Feywild because it'll be a nice place compared to where they've been so far. <laughs> uh, yes, and I think, that's, and it'll yeah. Give, it'll give more context for Finbar than the Gorman Guild. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, uh, I'm not going to really say much about season two right now, but Ooh. guarantee you there will be a Gorman Guild adventure. We will get to see the Searing Tongue and oh, a little bit of how Finbar oh, interacts with yeah. that. So, it's incredible that, that basically yeah. the amount of uh, plot relevance everyone's backstories had is direction, like the opposite of the amount it's of... inverse. proportional <laughs> 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 to how much information yeah. they gave Austin Woo! at the top of the season. Uh, that's how yeah. much freedom you give the DM. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, and that sort of leads us into our, our last member of the cast here to, to kind of close <laughs> out the season discussion before we get into some of those fan questions. Uh, Red, oh. Kiana, you know, what did, what were yeah. you, what's some of your closing thoughts in season one and what are you looking forward to coming up in the future? I mean, season one was an absolute party because uh, I, I've mentioned this before. I've never played 5e before this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was a, I was a 3.5 gal hey. all the time. <laughs> uh, and like, so I, I'd never done an actual play D&D podcast. I'd never played with this kind of group. Uh, and I, I'd never played in this game system before. And I'd certainly never played a Planescape adventure. So, like, the way I saw it, my options were either do an absolute butt-ton of research about the Planescape or play to my strengths and make a character <laughs> who has no fucking clue what's going on. Iconic. Um, <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to play someone from the Prime Material Plane who just doesn't know very much about the, the Planescape in general. Uh, and I, you know, I, I wanted to play, again, just kind of, it's like, it's 5e, we're going to be recording this, I don't want to play something too complicated that it's going to take me too much time to figure out how they work. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, what's what's a good class? And, you know, at this point, a lot of people had locked down, like, character concepts, and I was like, I feel like we don't have, like, a like a heavy close combat hitter right now. So, well, pff, may as well do a monk, and I kind of just started, <laughs> started bouncing this idea of Austin, you know, we brought this up a little bit earlier, uh... That I basically came to you with like, yeah, I'm thinking like Monk from somewhere kind of isolated in the Prime Material Plane who's like, reason, you know, reason d'etre is like she really wants to see the world overall. Other than that, I'm not hundo percent, you know, like maybe, maybe, maybe she was like part of something that she was starting to get the feeling wasn't so great. And so she kind of ran away and you're like, okay, yeah, cool. You know, what are you thinking, you know, race wise? And I was like, well... You know, I didn't really want to do the basics because, you know, it, it feels like every every 5e character I see is like a tiefling or a goliath or an Azimar. And, like, nobody even plays the normal, like, the stock 3.5 <laughs> races anymore. I was like, I, I, I kind of want to see if I can play a character who appears normal but is very much not and probably doesn't even know that. And I was looking through the options. I was like, Kalashtar looks interesting. I don't know enough about this particular thing to know all the details right off the bat. Let me see if that sounds good. And you were like, yeah, that, that sounds good. We can work that. You might want to look into the way of the astral self for that. And I was like, oh yeah, that could be cool. Um, <laughs> and the thing is, this was one of those things where this character really only works if she doesn't fully know what's going on mm-hmm. with her thing. So I couldn't be like, it would be great if this monastery was like a secret conspiracy of these bad guys and they want to do this thing, but I have no idea. I was like, I'm thinking this... Maybe, what do you think? And then you're like, all right, like write up a couple details and then, you know, we can do this. Like, what, what was your thought process? Whatever the, the stuff was. And I was like, okay, yeah, here it is. And he's like, okay, yeah. So we kind of just ended up back and forthing this thing where it's like, okay, well, here's what you know about your situation. And then when we did my, my session negative one, we kind of talked through a lot of that. And just like, 
there's something so freeing about playing a character who has no goddamn idea what's happening and very little curiosity to find out. Kiana has like one priority in life and it's like having a good time and seeing the world with her friends. So she's just having a blast and then the plot keeps intervening. So like what I'm looking forward to in season two is not having to be the main character. Yeah, I'm really that'll, looking that'll forward to be a big shift. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm loving the idea of being able to like be a supporting character in somebody else's role for a while. <laughs> just, you know, like able to like run around and just do the punchy stuff without getting kidnapped. I, I just I I feel like, you know, sometimes there are, there are players who play D&D who kind of have a bit of main character syndrome about them where it's like, this has to be about me and I have to be the coolest person. And I really didn't want to do that. I, I, I do not like that play style because I think there is a lot to, to gain from playing out being a supporting role. Yeah. You know, like I, I think one of one of my favorite moments in the first season was just when when we just had that completely organic moment where Kiana and Finbar just kind of had this little conversation on the deck where like Kiana's kind of freaking out because she's trying very hard to focus on her one priority and other shit keeps happening and and making things scary and unpleasant and then Finbar just calms her down and grounds her and like obviously we didn't plan that but it worked so well and I was like this is such a beautiful moment and you couldn't have that if everyone here was like no this has to be about me now (laughs) we we must focus on I the star and I'm looking forward to being able to play that role in other people's personal arcs next round and being like yeah that sounds complicated let's have a snack and like look at how pretty the stars are or something um (laughs) Um, you know we don't we this is all as almost everyone's D&D campaigns are this is all improvised uh, but I would like to request that maybe in season two Kiana take some cooking lessons from Finbar because that would be so cute (laughs) (laughs) I can reach the things on the high shelves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I could just walk up the wall if I couldn't, so we're fine yeah. anyway. <laughs> That's so funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I have to say, yeah, for, um, so for the thousandth time, uh, thank you, uh, Red, for playing along with it, which is a, a very tough position to be in, the main character syndrome. Um, so thank you for playing along. Also, thank you for playing a character that was the audience surrogate. Yeah. It really... <laughs> I I was writing down ideas, obviously, for episodes before you guys even had characters Mm. uh, because, you know, just planning ahead is a good thing. But Mm. you being uh, an audience surrogate really snapped the whole thing into place. Oh, I'm so glad. uh, In a uh, a way. Um, And so I was really happy for that. uh, And choosing... When you chose, you chose the Kalshar, and then I was like, oh, well, Kalshar is all about this, like, inner being, um, and that's exactly what the Astral Self Monk is about. It was, like, perfect. Yep. Uh, and so I suggested that. You're, I'd forgotten that yet. I suggested mm-hmm. the Astral Self. And then I was like, okay. I sat down with a blank Google Doc, and I was like, <laughs> uh, okay, what is the what is the monastery? And uh, uh, I was, like, going, I was going back and forth, like, working on other things, kept coming back to it. And I was just like, I know it's it's like got to be real bad. It's got to be sinister. <laughs> it and, can't be just a little uh, like, evil. <laughs> my my idea, I kept coming up was like, why are the monks there? If I know why the monks are there, it'll fall in place. And um, my uh, girlfriend Victoria, she goes, oh, you know, there's this book, and actually she wrote it down for me, so I wouldn't forget to shout it. It's called Never Let Me Go, uh, and it's all about uh, kids who find out that there are clones who exist for their uh, organs to be donated. 
<laughs> like the originator. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, like, like basically people being raised for slaughter. And that's when I clicked in uh, and God, the whole planescape, like the whole ill of thids or the, or the scourge of the planescape fell into place. And I was like, of to me, the, the juice of the ill, like the like the defining characteristic. Please is don't say juice of the ill. Fucking hubris. <laughs> don't do that. They're hubris. Like they're <laughs> so, so, so big on themselves. So stupid yep. that they just keep making the same mistake over and over again. And I was like, it's so oh, funny. This would just be another one of those. It's just yeah. another another lead up, uh, mm-hmm. and it really clicked into place. So yeah. thank you for uh, all, all those seeds you gave. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, really, and it's, it really created a great uh, villain, I think, that, that oh, really absolutely. captured the Planescape for the first season. And it's great because it's enforced method acting because I have no idea how the Planescape works <laughs> as an actual player. Like, I, the yeah. player, know about Illithids, so that one I had to be like, no, Kiana, we don't know about Illithids. <laughs> Shush, st- <laughs> yeah. stop remembering that you I read through the Book of Aberrations 3.5. There's a moment in, like, one of the, not, not quite episode 7, but, like, I think maybe episode 6 or so, where I think it... Wally, myself, and maybe Noir all like simultaneously had the moment of like, oh my god, this sounds so much like Mind Flayers, like made an offhand yep, joke about yep. it, and then like, you know, like an episode later, it paid dividends. Um, but, you know, Kiana, our yeah. Red and Kiana by extension, like, I think is a really he important is. member of the party for a lot of reasons, you know, audience surrogate, prevented a lot of the plot. Uh, but I think it's, the you know, this season was a lot about bringing the, assembling the team, getting the band back together, and... Uh, yeah. In many ways, Kiana is the glue of the party. Uh, Virla, Danny, oh. and Finbar are all tied to the ship primarily and then to each other by extension. But Kiana is really tied to the crew more so than the ship. You know, yeah. we, as you'll see in Session Zero, we, we find her, take mm-hmm. her in, and this is how the Shoot gang gets together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah potato, good potato. stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, in a lot of ways, Kiana, Kiana's attachment to all of us then, you know, really solidifies the bonds the group has. She's our glue. So, you know, getting through. A lot of what makes Kiana tick in season one, I think, is important to assembling the team. Uh, and I'm excited to see how now her newfound, like, freedom is really going to play out in season two. Um, yeah, I'm very excited. Yes. But this has been excellent. Yeah, you nailed it. Good. Oh. That was extremely well put. Thank you. I try really hard all the time in these things. <laughs> 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 oh, man. <laughs> Uh, but that, that, on that note, let's bring it to the end of the just sort of cast thoughts. Uh, we've got a lot of really great questions coming from you guys, our dear listeners, that we yes, you guys have emailed good. us with some very fun and juicy things, some dumb, uh, dumb fun, some like really thought provoking, um, <laughs> and I'm excited to jump into them. So these questions came from some of uh, you guys. We asked for fans to email us in their pressing questions about season one, and you responded in force. We've got a number of them to get through, and I'm very excited to answer them. Um, just to note, like if you asked a question that we answered at the top of the show, I might just refer you back to there. I appreciate everyone sending in questions about Session Zero in particular, but it's happening. It's coming out. So I don't, I don't <laughs> want to give out too much details about what happened during it because you'll be able to listen for yourself. Uh, but without... Yeah. Too much further ado, let's jump right in. This question comes from Joseph. Been meaning to ask this on Twitter for a while, but kept forgetting. The flamethrower on the ship, is it on a swivel mount on the front deck, or is it held by a figurehead at the front? I initially thought there was just a statue holding the flamethrower that could be controlled by Danny somewhere on the ship. So how is the flamethrower attached to the front of the ship? Uh, Austin, before I give my headcanon, do you have any, like, actual (laughs) mechanics behind this? Yeah, 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 yeah. So... I have to check about the swivel. Um, I think it is on a swivel because it just has a range. It has a range and um, it just shoots a straight line. So it's uh, sort of like Virla's lightning bolt, but it's fire. And it's a little bit less damage. Um, 
and it is it's something you have to sit in it's got a chair that grants you cover actually mm. so it's uh it's sort of like sitting cool. in the um the millennium falcon yeah so you have to yeah like the gunner you have to get in it and turn it around and i believe it's an action to fire and then an action to reload so you can't mm. just do it over and over again but so if uh, I summon yeah, the cannon that's, that's and sit in the chair, I can use my action to use the flamethrower and bonus action, use the cannon flamethrower. Yep. It's perfect. <gasps> okay, you put the cannon on the end of the flamethrower like a bayonet, <laughs> but with more fire. <laughs> a, a bayonet that's a smaller gun? <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, I can't believe that, I, nobody's thought of this before. <laughs> but yeah, what about second That's gun? exactly how that works. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much what my headcanon was for it, so I'm glad we're on the same page. Uh, two, yeah, two bra- it's one actually, brain cell, it's two a, player. <laughs> it's, a, it's an item from the book Descent to Avernus that I've sort of just jury because it's it's um it's a modular piece you can put on to the, uh, the different uh, hell vehicles. Mm-hmm. So um, I basically was just like, yeah, it can go on a spell jammer. You're just going to have to retrofit it. And of course, Dan yeah. is more than capable of doing yeah. that. <laughs> that sounds a little Warhammer 40k. It's like, oh, you can just swap <laughs> in one of these gazillion big guns, but they all have different point costs. So... I don't yeah. think the Paraspora currently has a figurehead, but I think that as a party, we should seriously look into coming up with one because it would be very funny. Oh. <laughs> like, yeah. what if we just got like a wooden so. carving of plug and put that on the front? Yeah. yeah. Or alternatively, to save on costs, <laughs> we just have plug sit on the front of the ship very still. <laughs> Only we, we got like tie plug to the ship, and I don't think he would like that very much. We could <laughs> no, do, we no, could no, just no. get a chunk of wood, and then just, every time someone adds a new funky little dude to the campaign, we just carve another one in. Because we've got, <laughs> just all we've the got plug, oh. bing, the the pixies, the cannons, now docent kind of, Kiana's once astral we figure self. Out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, technically Kiana's astral self. Yeah, once we figure out what my astral form fully looks like, we can sculpt it on the figure. We head, just but keep adding now it's just the arms and the face. We collect yeah. more yeah. funky little dudes. Perfect. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so this next question comes from a harmless drudge, the mod of r slash rolling with difficulty. Shout out. Oh. Um, to all, it seems most players and DMs have at least one major gripe with 5e. What are yours, and overall, how do you think it compares <laughs> with past editions and any other uh, TRPG systems you have used? So, um, oh, bud. <laughs> the look oh, that let's Austin try, Let's you try to keep this brief, worms. Austin. Austin, let's, please, uh, keep, no, 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 please no, keep no, this I know. brief. No, no, no. I don't this actually can't have anything to say. Because I feel like, I don't know, someone go before me. Someone I have some thoughts. <laughs> Uh, so I yeah, I started in, uh, actually on Pathfinder and then jumped into 3.5 before ever playing 5e. Mm. But I think that 5e does something incredibly well that is kind of its its greatest strength and also its greatest weakness is that it's a really good entry point for new players. It's really oh, yeah. pared down in terms of mechanics. It's, and while there's certainly a lot of math going on, it's much easier to pick up than like 3.5 ever was. Um, oh, yeah. But because of that, if you are an experienced player, sometimes it can feel a little bit too pared down. It's a problem that I run into with a lot of software where when it becomes too user-friendly, it almost circles back around to being user-unfriendly. Uh, and this uh. is not necessarily to throw too much shade at 5e because I personally really like playing it. I'm a big role-play player more so than combat, which might shock the audience, but I normally play bards. <laughs> uh, and, and so, you know, 5e is very uh, conducive to roleplay because it's a pretty simple system. Um, but yeah. I, I think, you know, if you if you don't have a mix of new players and experienced ones at the tables and you're all experienced players, 5e can almost feel a little bit 
basic. Uh, and I know it's not a very specific gripe with 5e, but it, it's probably the one critique of it that I like can call to mind off the top of my head. Um, yeah, and also I to mean, just give Pathfinder a shout out. It's a fun system to play if you're interested <laughs> in trying something else yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty similar to my gripe, just because, uh, as mentioned, 3.5 was my uh, my game system of choice. And like I've played other game systems. You know, I've played Shadowrun, mm-hmm. Champions, uh, Exalted, a little bit of White Wolf, uh, World of Darkness, stuff like that. And like, I... I like 5e because it is so simple that it's like it's a really solid foundation that mm-hmm. allows you more freedom. Like you said, you know, it's a really good system for role play. But also, you know, once you have a map, combat is pretty loose, you know, free form. It's like mm-hmm. you might only have a couple actions you can take per round, but it's like, you know, once you're high enough levels, like you've got a lot of interesting things you can do with your reactions, your bonus actions. You can spend some class points to do other fun stuff. It, it kind of gives you this feeling of freedom, like you're not fighting yeah. the game. And there are some systems I've run into where it does kind of feel like you're you're wrestling with the system. Like I, I briefly played uh, some Numenera, which mm. is an extremely pared down game system, but it's like so pared down that you basically only have one useful thing you can do in any combat situation, and it's just waiting for your turn to come around so you can do that again. Not great. Um, that said, I really do miss the complexity and complete unbalancedness of 3.5. <laughs> I had like a full bookshelf's worth of the supplements. I loved those books. I loved the 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 illustrations and how every time you could get like a whole book yeah. just as tie-ins for individual classes. Like uh, the the complete scoundrel was like for the rogue tie-ins, <laughs> which was just delightful. And I like every time we'd go to the game shop, I'd be like, oh my god, they have like seven 3.5 books I don't have yet. We can we need yeah. to get Monster Man. Volume five, and I just, uh, I, I love like some of you guys collected dice. I collected those books, um, yeah, and I, I just Porque miss it. There would, and there would be just weird stuff buried in random books, like, like 5e, you know, like I said, I, I wanted to play like a player race that I thought was interesting because basically it's like you can play a, a, a baseline character, you can be like a human or an elf or a half elf or whatever, mm-hmm. or you could be one of these four exciting options, which are also basically the same. You can be like a tiefling, a Goliath, an Asimar, or, you know, Genasi. And I was like, those are cool, but it's it's not that expansive, really. It's like every mm-hmm. every character I see from somebody is like, that's a cool design for a tiefling. That's a neat design yeah. for a Genasi. And I just like the creativity afforded by just having a, a world full of just weird shit. And 3.5 was so good at the world full of weird shit. There would just be like races you just find in some random tie-in book that have a completely different stat block than anything else, but like look like normal humans, but aren't. And I'm like, oh man, you could spring this on so many players. This would be wild. So like 5e is so pared down, you almost don't get that. And I've mentioned before my love of stacking templates, which you can't do at all in 5e because that was a 3.5 exclusive. And it was broken as hell, but it was really funny. Um, so yeah, you know, it's it's pros and cons. The strengths of 5e are also the things that I miss about other game systems. But that's kind of how it works. It's always yeah. a trade-off. Yeah. Yeah. I I want to actually come in with a, with a counter to all of that, which is that <gasps> um, I, I don't think anything you said is, is wrong. I agree. But also... I think that there's a a lot of things that people who are into 5e say is that like, oh, uh, 5e is like really easy to get into, which is true compared to 3.5 and Pathfinder and, Mm. you know, your other big, big heavy hitters in terms of like sword and sorcery, Mm. combat simulation things. But uh, compared to like role playing games. I don't think 5e is very easy to learn. I think Mm. explaining (laughs) to a player that uh, spellcaster level and spell and spell level that you cast at are uh, different yeah. things. Is <laughs> yeah. The fact that a that a melee weapon attack and attack made with a melee weapon are two completely different things 
is not it is not <laughs> grokable i think by a lot at of least people. they've made the grapple and easier. uh yeah it's i think that um i think that the real strength of 5e it is easier than than those other ones uh but that's definitely true i think that the, the real strength is that it's very hackable once you once you get yeah. it it's pretty easy to like it yeah. uses a lot of naturalistic language that's very easy to interpret there's it's very easy for the dm to make a ruling that might not be technically correct but that is plausible and agreeable by the table at the time. And that keeps the game moving, which is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, in terms of it being like less about combat, most about role player, I think it's still almost entirely about combat. I mean, look at any features you get as a character. Yeah. Look yeah, at yeah. most spells deal damage that would and be... basically all all class features are about combat. And I think, uh, look and compare that to, I haven't played a lot of other RPGs, but uh, one that I played for a little bit I really liked was Monster of the Week. Where mm-hmm. there were whole abilities that were just role playing. I was, um, yep. oh, I the genius or the expert, the expert. I think I, I was playing, mm-hmm. and it was like, oh, I get to have like like a like a secret base with all this stuff, and yep. <laughs> uh, like it was all it was all about role play. Like all of your mechanics were about role playing, and if you got into combat, you had done something very wrong. Uh, <laughs> something yeah. had gone horrendously wrong, and probably someone was gonna die if you didn't have a chosen one to to save your ass. <laughs> But I, I kind of like that the the RP is so unregulated in D anD D because it's yes, like that's, it, yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah. a strength and and a, yeah. I think a yeah, lot of the things with any TTRPG system is like, what's its strength is often also its weakness. Yeah. It's like, you know, D&D yeah. is, you gotta really, be one thing. Is, is big, it's famous, it's the big name in the TTRPG game. Yeah. But I like it as a an entry point to the genre of games because I encourage listeners to, if they like D&D and they've enjoyed playing it, branch out into some of those other RPGs because then you, that's where you get some of those fun, you know, uh, definitely RP focused ones. That's where you get uh, other genres. Uh, a lot of people like to adapt D and D five E into other genres, like doing it sci fi or whatever. And that's totally an option. Yep. We kind of do that. Um, yeah. But there's other systems like Starfinder that are just made for running that. So you know, there's. I think the TTRPG space is much more expansive than the person just getting into it. Additionally, uh, might realize. And while D and D five E is an excellent entry point, I encourage people to explore other uh, game systems as well. Yeah, that was a heavy question. We could probably do what? two hours on that. Oh, I don't think yeah. we're done, no, though, yet. Yeah, like, we've got two more players to chime in yeah, yeah. yet. Oh, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm trying to simplify my thoughts. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Noir, so, do you have anything to say? Oh, go yeah, on. Yeah, I... Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> okay, well, the biggest strength of the 5e system is the bounded accuracy that they've more or less tightened up. And, like, there's... The math works within, like, a certain range of numbers. And from, like, a strict, like, game design standpoint, when you're trying to, you know, design encounters, items, weapons, etc., it's very rigid. Um, and there are some subclasses that fail. There are certain adventure books that fail mm-hmm. in, in, you know, making sure it falls within uh, that they're expecting you to have a certain number of items, um, a certain, you know, amount of gold, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and because, you know, it, it's so easily to adapt when most people homebrew it, one of the dangers they fall into is they, they, they break bounded accuracy. Um, and that's when, you know, all of a sudden you're like, technically you're no longer really playing 5e anymore. You're just skinning um, mm. the, the, the D&D world with mm-hmm. your own mechanics. And, and I encourage homebrew. I love homebrew. Um, but um, at, at some point you need to realize that it, it is a game. There are, there are mechanics to it um, and taking the time to, to understand the, the language and the numbers behind it. Um, and once you do, it's, there's a surprising amount of room. 
um, to not not just the combat, but some of the social situations. And it, I guess my biggest gripe for um, 5e is that a, a lot of the lore is just stuck behind wikis or old um, uh, yeah. D&D mags. So... Um, so I, I I wish uh, Wizards of the Coast would just you know like just instead of trying to come up with new content, just refine what they already have. I'm gonna publish, um, uh, uh the they have what forty years worth of lore that yeah. I'm sure uh, the fans would yeah. love to hear. My dad and his brothers all played uh D and D second edition when they were younger, and one of them gave me all of their second edition books recently that they found in the attic, mm. and I've just been flipping through like all this lore i'm like wow there's so many numbers oh, yeah. i don't understand in here and then also weirdly accurate descriptions and so many more spells and things so yes it's always interesting yes. the spell list yeah. was crazy in second edition yeah my, my parents played a d and d in college and uh like like the kind that came in pamphlets and mm-hmm. <laughs> they're regular like back in my day <laughs> you know yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we didn't oh, have monsters a, with class levels yeah. Yeah, the original D and D was found in three three little books, and uh-huh. it was ten dollars yeah. for the three books, which was the most expensive RPG at the time. Oh my god! Someone's been watching <laughs> um actually, because I'm pretty sure that was a question on there. Uh, <laughs> was it? I, oh, I thought you were going to say Matt Colville. Yeah, uh, <laughs> oh, it's, but, uh, it's a Matt Colville thing. Noir, yeah. before we move on to the next question, do you have any any thoughts on Five E? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is a lot of it was was kind of stuff that that people had touched on. Um, Austin saying that. Uh, wow, the moment it comes to me, I, I completely blank. <laughs> uh, the thing, uh, I, 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 I haven't, 5e was my first foray into, oh. um, into d and I, I kind of, I was a senior in high school, Critical Role had just gotten into their first year, oh, and, and yeah. that was, that was like, yeah. it was like people, the textbook, yeah. like, oh, I hear about this Dungeons and Dragons thing, let's try it, or whatever, yada, yada, yada. Oh, but thanks. I have played some other, um... I have played some other uh, TTRPGs since then. Uh, you mentioned that you mentioned the concept of people kind of trying to fit the D and D system into other genres. Which interestingly, the interestingly the the Dungeon Master's Guide has like this oh. workshop section or whatever that's like, <laughs> hey, uh, here's a gun if you wanted to use that, and like yeah. a grenade, and like if you so like, yeah. it, oddly enough, at least from what I can understand, Wizards of the Coast did try to make their attempt of making the system more applicable in other genres but then it's kind of like there are other systems i played uh a lot of sci-fi stuff Mm -hmm. stars without number Mm -hmm. um the one that i really the one that really stuck out to me was this role-playing uh system called scum and villainy and the thing that really (laughs) stuck out to me and made me realize um something different between that and D is that D for me uh seems to it's, its mechanics are very much steeped in like two different sections um combat and role-playing yeah. and it's kind of difficult for there to be sort of like there isn't really a lot of like osmosis between the two or or, yep. or bleed mm-hmm. through yeah um, never the it's really difficult meet. to apply you know social skills like rolling yeah you can roll an intimidation check during combat but that's not really something that's explicitly stated that you can do right it's kind of something that's sort of up to the dm and something that you you guys have to work out together as, as austin said one thing that really stuck out to me in scum and villainy is that there isn't really uh, combat skills. Everything is really told in sort of a narrative perspective. Hmm. The abilities that you have um, are, are are broad enough that it can be applied either in role-playing or in combat. Scum and Villainy didn't have, from what I remember, it didn't have anything of like, here's a gun, it does X points of damage. <laughs> it's, it's very much narrative-based of like, I want to go and shoot the guy, roll like alacrity or something like that in order to 
figure out if I can like dodge between these two mm-hmm. pieces of cover. And then and narratively it's resolved like that. Um, and, and for me, there seemed to be a, a lot more synergy uh, yeah. between sort of like the combat and not combat yeah. sections. Well, um, it, yeah. it kind of seems to me that with every RPG, there's uh, the, the question that the player, that the creators ask themselves is how can we create this specific scenario and these specific characters? So like uh, I sure. mentioned Champions, it's an old superhero game. Uh, and mm-hmm. like the 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 oh, weirdest thing about it is the character building setup, and it involves like allocating points, and you can take it, uh, disadvantages to get more points. And it's like one of the example characters is so clearly Spider Man, uh, or like some of the <laughs> some of the some of the things are just so clearly taken from individual characters. And the one that you get from Spider Man is you can take the disadvantage unlucky, which will just screw you over yeah, nonstop, yeah. but it's worth so many points. Um, <laughs> And, like, Exalted was clearly, like, we want to create high fantasy mecha anime. We want to do all the animes at once. Let's do it. So, like, all the character building there is about so you can make, like, a magical chosen one with a crazy destiny and, like, ancient yeah. magical sword you and a giant robot. Or you can be a werewolf. You want to permanently have as your natural uh-huh. hair color and, like, which one of your parents yep. you're the least attached to, you know? Yeah, if, if you want to be the, the edgy werewolf type, you can do that with the rad tattoos. And if you want to be a sailor scout, you can do that. It's great. And, like, that's the thing. Like, you couldn't really stat that up in d and D. The power level is just ridiculously out of scale. You know, you you also couldn't do D and D and Champions, and you know you couldn't do Champions and Exalted, and you can't even do yeah. Exalted in World of Darkness, and I, those I, are made by the same guys. That's kind of like short answer that yeah. we're all poking around at is like D and D five E is certainly like a system that has its its critiques, but it also has its strengths, and there's other systems out there that do different things better or worse. So uh, yeah, kind of shop around, play yeah, around with around, it. You know, play if you want to totally yeah, if you want to yeah. play horror, try the this. Call of Cthulhu system. You oh, don't need to reskin D and D. Don't get attached to your Call of Cthulhu character, but certainly. Try the system. Yeah. Uh, but we, we got to move on because we got a lot of questions. We got to move on. <laughs> so, yeah. I knew this would happen. Yep. Yeah. So <laughs> Sam asks Hi, thanks for the wonderful D&D podcast. You're welcome. Uh, my question is for both Austin and Noir. Was Virla at Ooh. all inspired by the nameless one from Planescape Torment? Both have no idea about their past lives. Both gradually discover who and what they were like before their mind wipe. Both gradually learn about their past companions. Am I grasping at straws huh. or was there some inspiration on either end? I don't know who hey, that Siri. is. I've never played. Hey Play Siri, Skate what's Torment? the nameless one? Yeah. <laughs> this is my. I guess. I guess, kind of tying into what we were saying. D and D five E doesn't have a lot of lore stuff. I believe from what you were saying, uh, Austin, your inspiration for the Planescape was a lot of like third edition stuff, which I believe Planescape Torment is a part of. But I've never. I've, I've the the nameless one was never something that come up that came up for me. It was it was, it was basically just my own idea. And I guess it's a little heartening to know that. Uh, <laughs> Someone else has thought of it before, so I'm, I, I guess I was onto something with that. Um, yeah, but no, I mean, that's it purely makes, it makes sense, right? It's it's yeah. a strong character archetype, a strong yeah. character concept, I guess is a better word. Um, that 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 makes a lot of sense uh, in this very like weird world, and especially um, Planescape is very. The original Planescape is um, our, ours is a Planescape Spelljammer mashup that that gets a little more yeah. like high adventure. Uh, space piratey, um, sort of like space westerny. Like you're living in like a a world that's got simultaneously a lot of space and also kind of no more space, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of how I think of the western. And uh, the the original Planescape though is more philosophically bent, so I think that makes a lot of sense for that kind of that kind of setup. There's it's all original Planescape is all about the factions. It's there's like twenty of them, mm-hmm. and they all have different. Um, like philosophies uh, that some of them relate to alignment, but others are just, you know, just like real world philosophies. Um, the, the Searing Tongue is actually, because 
in in our version yeah. those those factions did exist and then have fallen apart in the in the in the history of the planescape um because there was a big war we don't have to get into it mm-hmm. but the searing tongue is an offshoot from one of them actually yeah. that kind of survived so you interestingly enough Sky little, listener, you touched on an area uh, that has certainly inspired some aspects of the campaign but uh, in noir it sounds like you didn't specifically base this character off of the nameless one um no, I'll have, I'll have to look into him. Yeah, though. I think we have uh, a new season two idea though. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just rip Planescape Torment's plot. Yeah, Secret yeah. Origins, Virla again this time. <laughs> uh, so Virla's our this... Wolverine. Yeah. yeah, no, no, we got to do the Virla, so it's the sequel. <laughs> so we don't get it confused yes, yes, with the yes. first one that was just Virla. <laughs> yep. So uh, this next question comes from Celine. Hello, all. Two questions. One for the DM: Are there any aspects of the game you wish you had handled differently or reemphasized for greater? or less relevance and two oh. for each of the players what is your pc's ideal pizza configuration crust sauce toppings etc obviously someone would probably need to explain pizza to kiana eagerly awaiting season two <laughs> Celine. uh so we'll go through these one at a time uh first pizza, question to, pizza to folks austin go first. No, oh, no 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 pizza mind. folks go first i want to think about that fine <laughs> okay uh yeah pizza folks pcs so uh, noir red myself wally what are what are our ideal pizza configurations as characters all right as a New Yorker, I have to go first. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes, yes, do it. Look, Flex. you can't go wrong with a classic pepperoni pizza. Mm, That's okay. it. Everything else is like, if you have your own kind of flavor, throw whatever you want on there, okay? But like a nice long island pizza is what you need mm. <laughs> or give me a dollar I, uh, slice uh, that's, that's Finn bar that's Finn bar's choice that's, that's it finn no 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 this choice. is this is no no finn bar, this is wally who flex. cares i'm a new yorker <laughs> the only thing that matters is my opinion on pizza Incre- okay? the most um new yorker answer you could have possibly given to this question is saying who cares oh, yes. i'm a new yorker <laughs> <laughs> i uh, uh the other I once accidentally ordered a slice of pepperoni from a kosher deli, and when they were like, what? I was like, actually, mushroom, thank you. So <laughs> the, that was, the, uh, yeah. yeah, noir. The, the flip side to Wally's answer is uh, Ooh, wait, we, were all, we were all staying over at Austin's house one time. Uh-huh. And <laughs> I'm from California, I should say uh, that. I'm no. from the Bay Area. And, and I don't know where they got the pizza from. <laughs> But my first gut, my first gut response was, "Wow, <laughs> this tastes just like Costco pizza." Wow. Okay. Um, wow. In New York, and, I'm amazed you were not shot. Okay. And, and the Looks sad like part Vila was dies. that I intended it. Uh, <laughs> was, yeah. was that I intended it as a compliment? Wow. Just like. Well, now I gotta, like, I gotta uh, add more napalm on this fire. Okay. Ooh, red. Yeah. Light yeah, it up. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm from Chicago. Oh, We've got very different opinions on pizza here. <laughs> um, okay. All right. Oh, my look, I, I've got a great, I've got a great love and affection for New York pizza. It's got its place, but like, you know, yeah, some at the days top, number yeah, one, it's fine. It's just some days you really want about an inch and a half of solid cheese, and then whatever toppings you're dealing with. You I'm know, so sorry t- for not actually answering the question. <laughs> Besides, rationally speaking, it makes more sense to put the tomato sauce on top of the cheese because that. Way it can so stick to my the crust. Head okay, is now like you, Finbar is okay. having uh, a cooking class with the rest of the crew, and like <laughs> Virla inadvertently pisses him off. Do, you know what? Advertently pisses him off. Doing instead of trying to fake eating, now Virla has f- moved on to just being like, "What if I was a contrarian about the pizza?" And Kiana <laughs> is like, "Oh." 
I can experiment with this and create the deep dish pizza. Um, yeah, you put more cheese on it, and then you put the you, you know you put the sticky stuff in the middle so that it sticks, and then you put the stu- the slippery stuff on top so it's okay. So it just makes perfect sense that way. I'm from Philly, so I I most closely align on the and the pizza alignment chart with New York. But Danny <laughs> as a character go. is from the city of Brass, which while we know is close to being. Uh, Philly is not technically the city of Philadelphia transposed into the planescape. Um, the dark reflection. Yeah, so the style of pizza, certainly it's late, you know, your New York, your dollar slice. Uh, but I think that Danny, with her spice tolerance, would instead of putting marinara on her pizza, probably just put straight hot sauce and just go for, you know, like That's okay. chili peppers Some as sort the of topping. chili paste, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, still mm-hmm. red, but like deceptively red. Uh, so that's probably where I think Danny's sitting. But um, to prevent us thanks from... For, thanks for trying to <laughs> thanks for trying to make that into an answer pertinent to the question that was asked. As I said I at the earlier in the show, I try really hard all the time. So now the next part of this <laughs> question was for Austin. Uh, have you had time to gather your thoughts? Yes. I do have my answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing that I like wish I'd done differently, it was the thing I like something I wish I'd done differently, right? Was mm-hmm. the, the Yeah, things you'd emphasize yeah. differently, yeah. maybe. Yeah, things I would emphasize differently. So um, twofold and they relate back to each other. I think I I, str- I struggle the most with uh, improvising natural feeling dialogue. I think mm. um, I I think that my strength is D and not to two by on horn, but I think all the answers <laughs> different strengths and weaknesses. I think I think place making is is a very I think that's it's something I at least it's something mm. I love. Uh, mm. But the weakness is coming up with dialogue, and so especially with uh, it sticks most maybe it sticks most rec- uh, most firm in my memory because it's a reason. But with the final episode. Uh, the confrontation between Kiana and the Illithid, I wish I'd had more time for. I felt like I sort of rushed through it. I don't know if you guys felt that way, if Red felt that way, but I felt like I rushed through it and I feel like maybe I didn't give as many details revealing some of the secrets as I wanted to because uh, full disclosure, I mean, it's, um, I've always got one eye on the clock when I'm doing these things because ah. I have to hit certain beats for the episode. That's that's the weakness of doing it, like mm. doing a story like this, which is cool, but also has these these restrictions. I'm always looking at the clock. So I was like, okay, I have no idea how long this final fight is going to be. I don't know if they're going to go after the rest of the mind players afterwards. I was like, I got to like chew through this confrontation. And I wish that there had just been more time for that. Mm-hmm. And in general, I wish that there had been more time uh, to do... Um, NPC interactions with you guys. Uh, it's also very hard over computer because you never know when someone's going to try, especially with especially with Red, because Red, uh, for <laughs> technical reasons, doesn't have her camera on. Yeah, so sorry about that. <laughs> I'm never sure when she's waiting to say something and I'm oh. like stepping on her toes. <laughs> so that final conversation, I do wish I had revealed more details. And uh, in, in general, I worry that while it makes perfect sense in my head, trying to unveil secrets over time, I skip things or I don't make things clear. But you guys seem to have picked up mo- most of the stuff. So yep. th- that yeah. would be something I wish that I'd, I'd done differently is maybe um, I, I will often bullet point things I want NPCs to say, but I wish I'd written out maybe just a little bit more for some of those interactions. If I can assuage that concern, I think it actually makes perfect sense for the Mind Flayers to not be super interested in explaining their plans to, like, just some random <laughs> nobody. I think it would make more sense if, like, now that we've, like, messed up their base and stolen all their guys, they're going to be like, oh, these fucking guys, and, like, it's personal now. But I think until then, it kind of makes sense that they were just kind of like, eh, it's not worth telling these guys anything. They're going to turn into Mind Flayers in, like, ten days, so it's fine. So, you know. That is true. Yeah. yeah. There was... 
there was a very real threat of you becoming a mind flayer, which oh, yeah. would have changed, uh, which would have changed season two because season two would have started with you guys having to find a way to stop that. Yeah, what I'm looking yeah. forward to season two is not having to deal with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, excellent! Uh, Austin, that's my answer. You, you, Austin, you did mention the the difficulty sort of like coming up with dialogue in the moment thing. A funny consequence of that is that you and I were so uh, focused on like the whole Maxim and Verla conversation. Uh, you you told us after the session you completely forgot that Maxim has the ability to tur- to to take out blue yep. Danny's blueness. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. 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 Danny, he's a we have to address this. Blue Danny was completely unplanned. I <laughs> did never in a million years anticipated that the magic effect of the wild, wild magic, magic surge baby. would be the blue so one. But Blue Danny has become else, like, such a critical fan favorite that I don't know if I now could, in good conscience, unblue Danny. Yeah, yeah. it would have to Danny be for all seasons. Yeah, it either was going to have to be immediately afterwards, so it was like this fun little quirk for an episode, mm-hmm. or it's going to have to wait it's, for a big moment. Yeah, yeah. And like I think the yeah. series yeah. finale the, is Danny becoming the no yeah. longer blue, like, for, <laughs> or. Possibly even turning a different color. Yeah, yeah. Fiona style green magical Danny. girl transformation. Yeah, yeah green like, Danny. Like yeah. Green dying green and Danny. being resurrected would probably remove the curse from you. So that oh. would be like a big thing. Dead Danny. Right, okay. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Does the person who resurrect her turn blue? Oh, <laughs> no, you <laughs> have to. You have to take you, my blueness on? on in order it's to a raise curse me. That's it's transferred. Yes. This is this is this is for the future, but no. Alternatively, reincarnate keeps the person blue. So it like, comes back as like a drow, but like blue. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amazing. Mm, that'll be confusing. Uh, well, these are great headcanons, but we've got more questions to get through. So this one comes from Jack. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, first of all, thank you all for an amazing first season. And to all, can we get a rundown of all the magical items you have? Um, we've got <laughs> a few. I'll, I'll kick sure. us off because I think I have a pretty easy list to get through because I don't actually have that many. Uh, Danny tends to summon the cannons, which are an artificer feature. Yeah. Um, but you also make them. I can you also can make them, but I have not done so yet. Uh, I did at one point make a mind sharpener on my goggles, but that is now in the possession of Maxim. That essentially just gives you mm. uh, advantage on a saving throw. You can you can make a choice to use that. Uh, and um, I currently have enhanced defense active, which is another artificer infusion, which just gives me a plus one to my armor class. And of course, plug my homunculus servant, uh, who I constantly forget actually has attacks in combat. Um, but in terms of magical items, the only one that Danny has uh, is the Baronium Fluctuator, which is my multi-tool. Uh, and it has a fun ability that helps me out. Um, it gives me a plus one bonus to spell attack rolls and saving throw DCs for my artificer spells. Uh, and I can focus the tool to channel my creative forces and uh, choose a cantrip that I don't know from any class list. And I actually forgot that it had this ability now that I'm reading the description. So maybe I should reread my spell <laughs> oh, item descriptions more. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed a running theme, but I don't read my sheet very carefully during <laughs> sessions. Note, forgetting yeah. to add yeah. a D8 to every goddamn attack roll all <laughs> season. Um, but oh, uh, yeah, that, that's all Danny's got, honestly. Uh, she, she's a, jack, she's a, a skill monkey and a jack of all trades in some ways, but not in the magic item department at the moment. Right. I, be- um, I believe the, the 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 item's technical name is the all-purpose tool. Hmm. Hold on. Let me look yeah, at it like a fun little a fun sonic screwdriver. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Baronium fluctuator sounds like a thing you made up. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's, hold on. Yeah, all it's an all-purpose tool plus one, which is uh, just a, your pretty standard um, 
Artificer, it gives her a plus one to her spells and the other stuff she said. But yeah, when when they chose all their magic items, I gave them fun names because I don't I think it's boring to have a yeah. <laughs> all purpose yes. tool plus one. I like the idea it's the Baronium Fluctuator, which is um a reference <laughs> a to Edgar Rice Burroughs, the, yeah, of the author of uh the the John Carter yeah. series, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what I've got, I don't have my character sheet with me, but I, I don't have that many. I have the slippers of spider climb, uh, which I think in lore were taken off some drow and they just gave it to me because yep. I, I do enough. They're the handmade you know. slippers. They're, yeah. they're like, uh, they're, they're like signature oh. uniform for an elite group of, uh, of, dr- uh, loth worshipers. Oh, heck yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but they're very useful. So, and, uh, the other one is the belt that I got from, um, uh, oh my God. Brain, come on. Enoch. Enoch, yeah. thank Enoch. you so much. I knew it began with an E and it was two syllables, but my brain was, was like, it's Enoch Egan. And, and I was like, Egan. it's not Egan. Egan. <laughs> it's not, it's Egan, not Egan. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it uh, its main thing is like, it's a little plus one. And also it lets me uh, in combat, I can roll to regain some key points, uh, which is useful, but I've never used it. So, yeah. Uh, Noir, what about you? What you got? What's Virla packing? Uh, well, Virla has his uh, staff of, it's an insect swarm staff, but as Austin yes. said, it was reflavored to staff of the clockwork swarm, oh, which oh, is basically oh. the same thing. So the bugs are like rubbits, <laughs> um, which is, it's busted. Uh, <laughs> ten charges, uh, five charges to cast uh, insect plague, four to cast giant insect or something like that. One charge to cast insect cloud, which I feel like I did like one mm. time, something like that. Uh, yeah, you I got... did it to, to get the big the big insects to fly uh, Kiana. Yes, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was, that was the only times that I used uh, giant insect and insect cloud. Everything else has just been spam bug. <laughs> I got the, the yeah, Scarf well... of Speed, which are reflavored boots of speed from Agden. Um, also, yeah, uh, also apparently found among the wreckage of the Paraspora, uh, I never used it. I got a ring of water walking. Oh, this how is, convenient. This is a through line from a home <laughs> campaign that uh, actually yeah, Noir yeah. DMs for us. Um, and Austin's mm-hmm. also in. I play a bard in that campaign who very early, like session two or three, purchased with full gold, for full gold price, a ring of water walking and then proceeded to not use it for two real life years. Wow. I, I think the Fair thing definitely. that I had said directly after was, uh, congratulations, you got a ring of water walking in a landlocked country. Yes. But you so. know what? I, I, it's I, my favorite <laughs> magic item in that campaign. So who really? I feel like we haven't even... Use- yeah. I used it we once. haven't even been on a plane with water until the final episode. <laughs> That's true. I, I think, uh, I think well, in session zero, I asked. Yeah, oh. I, I, I think I asked in session zero if I water? could have feasibly walked on the astral sea. Yeah. But, uh, perfect. Um, yeah, that's which is presumably why it was there. And also, I want to say for the record, the reason you had such a powerful magic item for the audience is because I told everyone at the beginning, I said, you can pick... An mm-hmm. uncommon mm-hmm. magic item, mm-hmm. which yeah, three yeah, yeah. of you did, you chose, and then I said, or you can roll for a rare yes. magic item on the table. And Noir was like, hell yeah, I'll roll. <laughs> and rolled, and just just so you know, could have also got like, it, like it could have gotten something completely like useless to him, like um, I'm uh, like X-ray, walking. X-ray ring of X-ray vision. Like that was what he could have rolled, and that's what he would have been stuck with. Uh, but wow. that's the gamble of the dice. Like he rolled mm-hmm. something really good, like ring of animal influence. You know how often <laughs> that would have been useful. But he yeah. rolled something super dope. 
That's okay, so well, guess... the Ring of Water walking, it doesn't necessarily have to be water. It's any liquid That's surface. That's true. This is a very important so, point damn. that has been brought up. You get, like lava magma question. Like, is yeah. this yeah, liquid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. very yeah. important yeah. question yeah. to ask if you have a Ring You'd of Water still walking. still take fire well, damage, though, right? The, the age-old question. You would take fire damage, but a lot less. Yeah. It's like Breath of the Wild rules, you know? You just getting near in, the lava can hurt. It's just very warm. Um, but, uh, oh, uh, Wally, what, what magic items does Spinbar have? Let's let's wrap Warm is a weird way to describe lava, but okay. Um, <laughs> Technically correct, the best kind of correct. Now is it? Uh, so Philbar uh, has a couple of iconic. He has his mm-hmm. um, uh, moon sickle, which yes. Austin um, reflavored to uh, Leyland, uh, the waning blade. Um, it essentially increases my spell save and attack, um, uh, which has been useful. I have like a plus eight to those. Um, and the biggest thing is it gives you an extra D4 whenever I do healing, and that's why ah, the crew yes. is still alive. Woo. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Finbar. <laughs> and we appreciate it. Um, the other thing he has um, for his, Finbar is, oh, well, he's a furbolg, so he has powerful build. Um, so in terms of, like, doing things, he has a, like, uh, like I think he has a, naturally he has a 14 strength, wow. um, which is, which is decent. He doesn't particularly need it because the, has the, oh, uh, the gauntlets of ogre power or, um, uh, awesomely flavored it to the gauntlets of Fomorian power, um, mm. which, you know, he's whopping 19. Um, cool. he can pick up, no, the entire crew with one arm if he needed to, <laughs> um, uh, then he got the ring of psychic resistance, mm-hmm. um, from uh maxim um and then uh when we start with season two he will be uh wearing his um canian half plate the armor yeah the armor the armor that we paid that yes, which to make. yes so. uh which resists cold and now does a very fun thing with lightning uh yes the <laughs> first roll the first roll for season two i asked wally to roll a d20 to see um how well the uh, the fire giant would do on his oh, armor. Yeah. Rolled a natural <laughs> yeah. twenty, so he it got was the incredible. Best yeah, result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, incredible. Perfect. Well, that's our that's our magic item corner. Uh, this next question comes from Kogashi. Hi all, really love the first season and looking forward to more chaos to come. But part of my love for this has been renewed interest in trying to make or run campaigns myself. So my question is mostly for Austin. Hey. How much acknowledgement do you yes. want or need for when I start crafting a D&D campaign around someone hiring adventurers to explore a sudden new giant hole into the underdark where a mountain once was? Parasocially <laughs> love as well. Sign Kogashi on the OSP Discord. Uh, we're just uh, excited that you're take... uh, playing this. <laughs> seriously, seriously. I'm excited you're playing. Take what you love. Uh, and steal it. I heard someone once say, yeah. um, mm-hmm. "the the things we create are as are as good as uh, the obscurity of the things we steal them from." Uh, yeah, <laughs> which is all to say that you know the the less your players know about what you're taking from, the more likely they're going to be amazed at w- what you've come up with. Mm-hmm. So uh, by all means, don't don't tell them. Let them be amazed. That <laughs> yeah. is yes. that is the strength. And I mean, there are things in this. Uh, th- there have been hints in this uh, campaign. To other campaigns I've been in, yeah, uh, the Ring of Water walking, of course, have is gone, the most clear yeah. and well, present. That, that's like a meta joke, but lore-wise, uh, some things have been vaguely alluded to that yeah. haven't really been that important, but uh, mm. do do give it some context. That I, it's just it's just a little Easter egg for me, and makes it seem the world makes the world seem more real, um, and maybe it seems like I've got more going on in the background than there really is. But it's, it's just me taking other stuff I've heard. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the uh, the story that Virla told in episode five that was a, a like a myth uh, from the home game that Sophia mentioned that I DM ah. for mm-hmm. uh, Blue Blue's character uh, 
a, a paladin who lives in totally not Greece in all caps. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> uh, the least surprising I, thing I, he could possibly play. Yes. Yeah, I made like I made like this whole pantheon with totally not Greek characters, and I just like pop like made up a couple myths or whatever, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, here's one. Yeah, very so. cool. <laughs> Exquisite. Uh, so this next question comes from Sosagi. With Danny continuously being called just Danny in various situations, including in the Feywild, could you see that developing into her quote-unquote true name in time? And if so, do you think it would only be in the adverb sense, or could it also be in the adjective sense? Uh, so kind of like an interesting thing with this oh, is that Danny wouldn't know what her like true name quote-unquote is. Uh, I think we kind of touched on this, but she named herself after a drink in the City of Brass. Um, <laughs> she was a street rat. She didn't know any other family. She doesn't know if she had a name before that. Uh, so I guess it's really like a question for Austin and like how the Feywild name stuff works, but like would Danny be considered her true name to like a trickster fae or is it something that not even she knows? Um, Interesting. Yeah. So the, the, the magic of names, which is called onomancy has rules that I don't even fully understand yet. Uh, Maxim talks about it a little bit. Um, when he's like when he's taking the name when he simultaneously uh, realizes three out of four party members don't have <laughs> yeah, last name. Uh-huh. When, uh, when he's taking the yeah when he's taking the names he brings up that it's important and Maxim is indeed not his real name uh, it's possible he hasn't told anyone his real name in, in a long long time because uh, telling people your name makes you vulnerable uh, yeah, if you are powerful enough and have powerful enough enemies uh, so is just <laughs> Is Danny her true name and could just Danny become her true name? Uh maybe it's it's sort of unclear if it's a, if it's a given name or if it's how you mm-hmm. think of yourself, in which case if it's how you think yourself, it's a fine line because Maxim has gone by Maxim for a very long time, uh mm. but probably to protect his identity still thinks uh to go to like Batman Beyond and uh, like how do you know <laughs> uh, you're not crazy Bruce? Yes. It's cuz I in don't In my think, head that's not what myself, I call myself. <laughs> I don't call myself Bruce. Yeah. Um it's. I think it's more like that. It's. It's an mm-hmm. involuntary. It's not a choice. But if you're very careful with it, you can morph your true name over time, or go by a different name and protect your true name from changing by keeping a, keeping a firm grasp of it in your head. So yeah. could it become yeah. just Danny? Yeah. Potentially, if that's how she th- starts Some, thinking of herself. Someday, maybe. Blue Danny is slowly creeping up for the uh, true name spot. Yeah. Um. This next question comes from Ella. Hi, I'm a huge fan of the podcast and have a question for the Q and A. Will the soundtrack for the podcast ever be available on Spotify or any other music platforms, or will it just stay on SoundCloud? As well, do you think transcripts will ever be available for the show? Um, so the soundtrack Ooh. for the podcast comes from our lovely composer, Dominic Ricciardi, who you may or may not notice has the same last name as me. That's because he's my younger brother. Uh, and right now, his only plan is to post them on SoundCloud, but if he ever does post anywhere else, I will let you all know. And of course, link in the show notes to whatever episode is the first one that that starts with. As for transcripts, it's something I'm working on. It just takes a long time because we have long episodes and there's a lot of words that the English language normally does not compute. So you can't really just auto-generate the transcript. Uh, I can't give you a perfect estimate on when this will be out but before season two happens. We will have transcripts for all of the current episodes. Um, sorry to just breeze through that one, but uh, I'm glad you... I'm, re- I'm always really excited. We've gotten a lot of people who have enjoyed the soundtrack. And if you did like the songs in the back of the podcast and want to see the absolutely ridiculous names that they were all given, my personal favorite is Party Time Time, although Big Downtime has a place in my heart as well. Uh, they're all available on our composer SoundCloud, uh, Dominic Ricciardi, and they're linked in the show notes uh, below. This next question comes from Kate. Hi, all. Loved season one and can't wait for season two. Now, some questions. 
Number one, was there hmm. anything that inspired your characters, as in creation of them or a favorite character from a movie book, a previous D&D campaign you played, etc.? Number two, what was each member's favorite episode? Number three, how did you make the maps? Did Austin draw them or did he use a tool of some sort? Number four, what do you want to see happen in season two? Uh, five, if Austin were to be a player rather than a DM, what kind of character would he play and who would be the new DM? Thanks and best wishes, oh Kate. Oh my goodness. P.S. As an Aussie, I was cackling the, at the Aussie accents. <laughs> hilarious and oh occasionally goodness. plausible. You are very generous Ooh. in your Ooh. plausibility. Thank God they weren't offended. Thank you. Oh, wow. Oh, uh, so we'll go, we'll go through these one at a time. Uh, number one, Thank was you. there anything yeah, that yeah, inspired please. your characters? I'll uh, just round robin it. Uh, Noir, was there anything that inspired uh, Virla? Iron Giant, Baymax, and another robot character that my friend Joey played. Nice. In a similar vein, <laughs> yeah. Danny is just every anime mechanic. If you're thinking of any of them, yeah. you're probably Winry right. Win Winry, May Hats May for my hero. I added just a splash of Charlie Day because you know we gotta wrap It's Always Sunny. Uh, <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> and I think that that's pretty evident if you look at how the character is performed. Um, uh, Wally, what about Finbar? <laughs> um, ship on a uh, biggest inspiration was Sweets. Um, Treasure Planet. Nice. Uh, nice. Yes. Uh, and then on top of that, it's just uh, I was hungry and I. Wanted to play <laughs> that and that's why we <laughs> played. saw the story of Wally's egg omelet, and you're like, hold on. <laughs> Amazing. There's something to this. Uh, and and person. and Red. What about? I think you've talked a little bit about Kiana, but what specifically inspired that? Well, I mean, I I'm a big fan of the trope of like the the good-hearted paragon character who has no idea they're working for the bad guys. Mm -hmm. uh, little sneak Aww. peek of a video I've been working on. You know, there there's there's obviously some Adora <laughs> in there, but there's also some Gallo from Promare. Wow, you know, that's a pull. I, I got her. I, <laughs> I got her at my himbos who are accidentally working for the bad guys, <laughs> and as soon as they figure it out, are like, "Well, this blows. Let's get out of here." Nice, um, nice. There's a little. There's also a little bit of Avatar Aang. Uh, Austin, you pointed that out like minute one. Where I was like, "Monk who ran away," and you were like, "Oh, okay. I know what you're going with there." <laughs> um, obviously, rather We've more all sinister seen this than. Movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I, I knew I wanted Kiana to have like some greater purpose the monks wanted her for, but she was so bored that she was like, "I got to get out of here and live my truth." And then the monks are like, "Wait, come back." But that's <laughs> <laughs> all I knew. I didn't know it was going to be mind flares. So, like, yep. from that perspective, I was like, just like Aang. Um, but honestly, like, Kiana's just a very, she's a very simple, fun character for me to play. So, like, there, there wasn't really much of an homage there. I just wanted something that I wouldn't mess up. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, well, question number two, what was each member's favorite episode? Uh, Austin, we'll start with you since you didn't have anything for the last one. Uh, what was your favorite episode of season oh, one? Oh, God. Uh, I was so eager to hear you guys say that. I didn't even think about Ooh. it. I mean, <laughs> um, on the uh, spot. Train. <laughs> Train heist? I mean, it, it's, it's got to be the train, train heist, heist, right? It's got to be the train heist. We, yeah, um, I, in my, we uh, Wally and I played in a Descent into Avernus campaign, and the like, um, the last thing before the climax was this. Uh, it wasn't a, it wasn't a heist, but there was a train in hell, and I was like, I have to do this again. I, I got to mm -hmm. do my version of this sometime. So shout out to uh, my DM Zach uh, for the inspiration <laughs> for Train in Hell. Yes, uh, and because it was such a puzzle that. I had no idea how you guys were going to pack it. That's the best D&D stuff is when I hand you a puzzle box and uh, uh, I'm like, how are they going to, how are they going to like figure this out? And more often than not, it's like bash the box against a rock until it breaks open. But <laughs> you guys really like the whole, like causing casting shatter to separate and leave the whole train behind. 
was I didn't yeah. even consider that. I was like, they'll do maybe they'll do like a stealth where they like sneak aboard, or they'll they'll um, stealth in they'll, this uh, campaign. They'll they'll they'll, they'll <laughs> no, pass. I, I forgot you had shattered. It, it was all just very um uh very surprising in the very best way for me. So yeah, train heist. Yeah, I, I thought my favorite would be the train heist, but episode three honestly might be my favorite episode. Uh, something about that chase just like really hits different. I think there's a lot of really fun moments in it. It's where we get you know Kiana jumping off the ship to uh, save <laughs> save the mentor. We get the the birth of the terrible uh, Gith being Aussie, and therefore us doing <laughs> what I consider unforgivable Aussie accents. And the hardest thing that I've had to do this entire season was trying to speak uh, with an Aussie accent while simultaneously doing Danny's voice. Um, genuinely, that might have been my biggest challenge of the season. So episode three just has a really special place in my heart. Um, although I, yeah. I've got to put love on the train heist as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, Noir, what about you? Uh, going chrono- uh, chronologically, I-, I think four has got to be my favorite. <laughs> Based on how off the rails it yeah. got. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> the thing that really, like, that was the, the fight at the end was, like, a great payoff. And just, like, the... Austin making us split the party, basically. Me, Wally, and Sophia panicking and being like, here's how we're going to, like, save Kiana or whatever. And then we all realize that Kiana was doing fine this whole time. Something that listeners might have... like, how am I going to save everyone else? (laughs) The listeners didn't think it was like, me, Noir, and Wally were in a separate Discord channel while Austin and... Red were playing out the Kiana alone bit and we were all just like in strategy mode uh, yeah. <laughs> you know it didn't make it into the cut of the episode because of just the way that the timing worked out and everything I think it's better that way frankly but uh, you know, we we had a whole separate plan that just immediately went out the window the minute we started back into the actual uh, campaign that's also yeah. my favorite, uh, just to <laughs> piggyback off of that. I, I love the whole Feywild arc for like a million different reasons, but how far off the rails that episode went was really funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And hearing yeah. like in hindsight, like how much of a, like, I, like episode three is very funny, but also like every time I think back on it, I hurt thinking about how badly <laughs> that could have gone. Whereas episode yeah. four, I was like, oh, I'm in my element. I'm not, I, I'm not in the spotlight now. I can just mess around. <laughs> um, so just great for me. Just yeah. absolutely delightful. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what about you, Wally? And the best part was, like, <laughs> Danny didn't remember any of that. So. No, that's <laughs> oh my God, that's right. <laughs> Listen. Everyone else, crystal clear memories, and Danny's just like, wait, did it not work? Not only is it a wizard, <laughs> saving natural twenties. I the, roll yeah. so well in combat that the dice gods must balance it by having me roll terribly outside of it. <laughs> yeah. And that yeah, is, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. consequences of my own actions. So, you know what? I, I accept it, even if it frustrates me on so many deep emotional levels. <laughs> yeah no i mean i agree with everyone else like uh, episodes three four fantastic um battling it out on archeron giant cubes getting those yeah. ridiculous amount of temporary hit points <laughs> um terrifying uh watching kiana punch the dragon Oof. <laughs> fantastic really really um, fun. so badly God. yeah then trimbar going home it's no place like home as much as he likes being on, on the astral sea it's it's great to watch you know his family on the ship meet his family in real life you know Aww. like everything come together um so yeah beautiful exquisite uh well this third question is mostly for austin uh how did you make the maps uh did austin draw them or did he use a tool of some sort i believe you've used incarnate for them right yeah yeah easy easy answers i used incarnate um it's actually it's pretty cheap there is a free version that's not very good from what i could tell because i tried to start with the free version uh and then i just got a subscription and the subscription was very cheap and it has a lot of options a couple things i struggled with but for the most part uh like creating rooms that are symmetrical like that final map uh 
I was like beating my head against the wall and <laughs> I wish I had more time to, to work on it. But at, at some point, like all art, I was like, it's just got to be done. Like I've, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I've worked on it. It's, it's done. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward to maybe improving. Some people do really, really great maps with it. Um, and it has to do with their use of lighting and contrast on the different, uh, ob- objects that they place on the map. You can do a lot of like little, little fiddly stuff. Um, but for a beginner, I think I did okay, and it's yeah. it's very easy to use. Uh, they look they great. Look great. Complete yeah. computer you know, it, so, When well, I wasn't blowing you. up your maps, I think that they served a very important purpose. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So for the fourth question, what do you want to see happen in season two? I think we kind of touched on this in the beginning. Um, I'm I'm personally excited to explore the rest of the crew's backstories a little bit and give Kiana a, a, a well-deserved <laughs> break from being the main character and just let her... Uh, and ex- I'm, I love my favorite moments in every episode are when Kiana experiences a new plane for the first time and immediately decides like i love it here or ooh, this is not great uh, and i'm excited to get her reaction to other planes in the planescape because we're certainly going to be going oh same mm-hmm. yeah yeah i'm looking forward to finding new and interesting stuff because like i it always feels like my my exploration of the planescape is being interrupted by these friggin' mind flayers so i'm excited <laughs> for those guys to to simmer on the back burner for a while yeah. while they turn into an even bigger threat while i get to have a good time like we'll deal with that. you know running into other people's <laughs> in jokes and stuff yeah uh and I just like it because Kiana's so relaxing to play because she knows less about what's going on than I do. So it's like <laughs> method acting for me to not understand what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about the rest of you guys? What are we looking forward to in season two? Gala fight. Yes. Oh, I want to go to a gala. Yeah, yeah. I want to dress well, up. Yep. And I want to yep. fight fancy there. Party. We all got to get all fancy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's I spoke homework. it into existence, like... Austin. <laughs> I feel like I haven't, um, I haven't like run that many like campaigns, even though I uh, chronologically I've been deeming for a, a decent amount of time now. Um, but I feel like fancy party fight has got to be a trope. It's that, that features oh yeah! Oh yeah! Online. Oh so, yeah! Hell, absolutely! Yes. Um, hell yes. I wouldn't be surprised Wait. to see that come. We uh, haven't had any death saving throws, right? Not not a single one yet. And- I have made no. several. Are you telling, death saving uh, throws? Oh, no, no. Are you telling us? Are <laughs> okay. you telling us you want to see someone <laughs> die, <I'm> Wally? <laughs> Not Character saying I want to see someone die. I just I, I like to up the stakes. You know we're level okay. Seven we need to, we need to make a pact right now on on podcast. Whoever dies has to play a character that could be a captain when they come back because we need a captain so bad. No, no captain. No, no, no. 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 For context, for context, when we pitched when when we were talking about the the show, oh, I was that's like, right. first of yeah. all, there's lots of options here. So you know, consider that you can be weird in this campaign. And I said, and second, you're on the ship, so consider that you'll want to have a role on the ship. And I listed like eight or nine that I thought could potentially be it, and some of them had like big overlap. But one that I assumed, uh, I, I assumed there would either be like a captain or a first mate individual, but someone who was a face and none of y'all rolled on faces. And it's very <laughs> funny to me. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't think any of us wanted have, to be yeah, like, you know. hello, new party. I want to be the boss. Well, that's, and that's understandable. That's why group. I figured that no one would choose captain, but I sort of figured someone would choose like the role of, um, like we, I interact and negotiate on behalf of the party when it comes to doing jobs and mm. no one did that. Yeah. <laughs> no, nope. yeah. absolutely not. Yeah. Um, so for question number five, here's the last question on this uh, user. If Austin were to be a player rather than a DM, what kind of character would he play and who would be the new DM? Uh, so an interesting fun fact is there's actually a number of like, not quite forever DMs, but frequent DMs on this in this group. Uh, Noir yeah. runs a very long running campaign for uh, myself and Austin and some friends. Wally, I understand that you uh, have DM before, and I've run some one shots. Yeah, 
I'm the Molly, only person here no who's never DM'd. <laughs> so by default, no, uh, uh, Red Molly, would be the uh, new DM, of course. No! Wally doesn't no. have anyone yes. else to vouch for him. Yeah, Trial that's, by yes, fire. make Red do it. Uh, Wally doesn't yeah. have anyone to vouch for him, so I'll say yes. Wally is an amazing, I mean, so is, so is Noir, but uh, Sophia already spoke to that. Uh, Wally ran a great uh, little, uh, what, what level range was it? It was a very short um, campaign it was, compared to like uh, Noir's campaign, which is we're at level like 10 right now. We've been playing for 11, uh, three like years, that. 11, level 11, yeah. three years. Yeah. And I started uh, at like two or Wally, three years. Yours, like yours was like a summer. Of, you ran it over the course of a yeah, summer I, and it was, it was like an intrigue mm, with like the coolest villain. Yeah. It was a quick, like three to 10, mm-hmm. but so, very, very I don't want to get into it, but yeah, yeah. We have, we have great DMs. Um, <laughs> so we have a we have a uh, Darth but, but of DMs. My, what would but, I yeah. play? Yeah, Austin. What's your what's your character? Well, Who's what would I play? Are you the so, captain? <laughs> um, he's the captain. Two, two <laughs> He's the captain. Two the options. Captain. One, I would love to play uh, a renegade Gith Yankee. I think someone who Ooh. would like sort of dr- like you know quit out uh, the same way that uh, Cressida actually has sort of like dropped being from. She's from a. Uh, Obviously, not all Drow are evil, but the Drow from the city Menzo Branzen are very evil, and uh, <laughs> she's from there, and she sort of quit that life. Uh, I think I would kind of play the uh, the Gith Yankee version of that. Um, uh, classic. And I don't know maneuver. exactly what class that would be, but probably maybe like a swashbuckler rogue, Ooh. maybe a Cyanite, which would be like a psionic fighter, Ooh, maybe nice. a swashbuckler rogue, so that uh, it could be like sort of a party face, but also like this like scoundrel kind of character. So it, it would <laughs> either be that or. Um, my, I was thinking about this the other day after, uh, I, uh, the other day, uh, when I say that, I mean, months ago when I, finished watching oh. Boba, or I was watching yeah, Boba Fett and the, uh, that Wookiee character showed up and I was like, Wookiees are awesome. Do I have a Wookiee in this Ooh. planescape? And I decided Leonins are my Wookiees. Nice. So, Ooh, nice. uh, I was like, like the, like, uh, you know, the whole of like, oh, uh, you know, droids don't rip people's arms out of their sock when they lose. Leonins yeah. are known to do that kind of vibe. <laughs> uh, so I think I would play uh, a Leonin. And in fact, uh, in the campaign that uh, Wally ran, we went to one of the outer planes. We went to the Beastlands, met a Leonin that my friend uh, Kyle played. And it was, it was one of my favorite PCs yeah. I've ever played with. He, he, had, <laughs> and he was a Beast uh, Barbarian. It was fantastic. He was a Beast Barbarian. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah. So I, th- I think like some sort of Leonin Barbarian as well to, to copy my friend. Incredible. This next question comes from Yellow Brick. Before the questions, I want to say thank you so much for making the podcast. I've always loved the Planescape, and I've never seen a full campaign going into a bunch of different planes done right, especially one where the prime material matters so much. So thanks for making my D&D dreams come true. Okay, so onto the questions. I narrowed it down to one per person. Austin, I really love the planes you used in Season 1. Included are some of my favorites like Mechanus. Are there any previews of some planes you might get to see in Season 2? Maybe any of the Domains of Dread for a future Halloween episode. Noir, Virla is obviously... Oh, man. Sorry. Sorry, finish the questions. Noir, Virla (laughs) is obviously a character of many mysteries. Do you know any information hidden in Virla's lost data spheres that we do not? Sophia, what was Danny's reaction when she saw the Paraspora power-up for the first time? Red, is Kiana going to get a wardrobe change with her new character development? Also because her robes are probably still singed from session zero. If so, what will it look like? Wally, what was it like for Finbar whenever he was first working with his cooking teacher? Can't wait for season two and all the planar shenanigans to come. So to kind of loop back around, Austin, um, you know, any, any yeah, planes we might see? <laughs> yeah, so Domains of Dread are awesome. And I considered uh, the, my first draft of the, the Feywild adventure was a Domain of Dread adventure. And then I was like, no, 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 no. We got to go to see, we got to go see the Feywild. Um, 
But that being said, would love to go to a Domain of Dread. Uh, I think this season you're going to see some of the good planes. So this past Ooh. season, actually, if you look at the wheel, you'll notice that it's all on the lawful side, tr- uh, trending towards lawful evil and then going up to lawful neutral. Uh, and with some other planes, like inner planes mixed in and Sigil and stuff like that. Uh, I think we'll see we'll see some good planes in this next season. Uh, no spoilers on exactly, but we'll they're heading to uh, brighter skies. Nice. And uh, Noir, do you know anything that's was on Virla's lost data spheres, or are they just off in the ether? Uh, not really, like about the lost data spheres themselves, but something like regarding his uh, organization before the 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 event that left him uh, amnesiatic. Uh, he used to be very. Uh, organized and meticulous like racks and racks of these data spheres uh, very intricately labeled and stuff like that but even at that time he had a little hidden panel um where there was like a little basket that he kept his favorite data spheres and those were the ones that were kept um unstolen from what i remember and those included stuff like uh the the tale uh, that virla told of, of the of the contest between gods and stuff like that so nice yeah uh, as for Danny's reaction when she saw the Paraspera power up for the first time, uh, while my reaction as Danny for most things is to do my uh, cackle, I think she actually probably would have been pretty quiet, uh, uh, uncharacteristically almost, and just sort of like taking in like, this is the result of my hard work, it's worked, and this is awesome. Uh, Red, do you think Kiana's going to get any wardrobe updates for season two? To kind of peel back the curtain, we are going to do new character art for season two. Um, part of that's my fault because my character's now blue, but just because it's fun too. Huh. Um <laughs> Any, any thoughts on wardrobe? Nah, I don't think Kiana really cares about what she clothes <laughs> herself. But like, what on this at the same level? It's like if it's not roughly the same arrangement as the clothes she's always worn, it's not going to work out. So it's like there, there's so no not going to be no sleeves. <laughs> there's not going to be nothing on the midriff. We're we're rocking straight bow style in this, nice. and uh, and <laughs> nice. like yeah. So I don't know. Maybe something a little more in line with the city of brass. But I, I don't think it would even occur to her, honestly. <laughs> so amazing. Yeah. Uh, and then Wally, what was it like for Finbar uh, with his his previous uh, chef master? Um, uh, his previous uh, chef master was um, Cardamon, who was uh, he was on a GIF uh, ship. That's GIF with two Fs, um, wow. and it was his first encounter with a uh, another Furbolg outside of the Feywild. So, um, and Finbar is the kind of person who gets um, homesick, so it was a uh, breath of fresh air for him nice. to meet someone like him all the way out in the Astral Sea. Awesome. Amazing. Well, this next question comes from Rowan. Dear Rolling with Difficulty crew, I've been having a great time listening to season one these past few weeks, especially as someone who isn't familiar with D&D. I had a great time. Wonderful job. Thank you. My question is for everyone, but I think mainly for Austin. In an earlier episode, you mentioned the initial pitch you sent everyone was D&D Cowboy Bebop, but that it later evolved into D&D Star Trek. Can you tell us a little more about this initial pitch and how did it end up involving everyone else? At, uh, how did it end up evolving as everyone else gave their input? Best of luck for season two. Yeah, maybe there's some way I could post to what I wrote up as the as the pitch, my like um, pitch document, which is very important if you're starting a new campaign. Yes. Uh, one that you think is going to last. Like if you're doing a one shot, you don't have to do this much work. But an important thing is getting everyone on the same page for the for the tone, the style and what they should expect. And if there's anything special about your world, mm-hmm. for example, if you're Dragonborn or all outlawed. Don't spring that on a player after they've chosen a dragonborn. Tell them that yeah. up front, right? <laughs> uh, mm. That being said, uh, 
uh, I originally thought they were going to be a lot grimier, a lot more. I thought <laughs> I thought it was going to be a lot more Firefly, um, a lot more Mandalorian. Good. Of like these guys are like these like <laughs> these people kind of suck maybe a little bit. They, they have this <laughs> ship and they're just kind of going around. They don't like staying in one place because when they stay in one place, they tend to cause problems and people throw them out anyway. So it's my still thought kind was that they, they were going to be a lot more. <laughs> They, it's yeah. it's still partially true. I thought they were going to be a lot more chaos gremlin-y, kind of the way Dan, Danny is. Uh, <laughs> and instead, they kind of came to me with all these, like, pretty pretty good-natured people who mostly want to explore. Like, Virla is a, is explicitly, like, a, a chronicler, um, wants to, like, see and learn new things. Uh, Finbar, part of the Gourmet Guild, is just seeking out new flavors, uh, much like the, um, what do they call the, the Gourmet Hunters or something from Hunter Hunter. Like, that's kind of their whole shtick. So he's really an explorer, too. And Kiana is here because she's learning that there's a whole new world. And she's just excited to see it all. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it really ended up becoming more of, like, go boldly uh, than uh, (laughs) go someplace and and get paid and keep sailing. It ended up being more like, yeah, let's go see what's exciting here. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I don't like it when people don't like me. (laughs) (laughs) I play characters that do nice things for people. It's also interesting because, you know, I... I mentioned it, I produced the campaign originally when I approached Austin to DM it. I'm like, hey, my idea is for episodic. You know, I, I really want this show to be like as episodic as possible because a lot of the barrier to entry to D&D actual play pods is that there's just like a huge backlog of info you need to understand to jump in. Uh, and for the most part, I think we stuck to that. I think season one's a little bit story based, but it's to our benefit. Um, season two will probably be a little bit more of a return to the format. But the original pitch for the show was like the Fae Bureau of Investigations. It was based on procedurals. Yes. Uh, and Austin came back to me with like, hey, I have this Planescape campaign. And it was like amazing. Um, so the pitch process, I think, was really fun. But part of why I think Danny might be so much a reflection of the original concept for the series is that I was the first one to get to know what the original concept for the series was. So before everyone else's yeah. characters were developed, I was already building Danny to Austin's pitch. Uh, and, and that's probably why there's the nastiest chaos gremlin ever and then these three wonderful star <laughs> yeah, she, trek employees she's a bit of a shit kicker. <laughs> well it works now we're yeah. narrative foils yeah exactly everyone loves yeah. foils we love it yeah. um but it's, it's been really fun to see how the concept for the campaign has evolved as we play it and that's kind of how all campaigns go you know you start with one idea and as you play it morphs into something that is uh, the creation of everyone at the table this next question comes from freedom 13 They have put the 13 in Roman numerals, so if that's not the number 13, I'm so sorry, but I will not be reading that on the podcast. Uh, So, for the players, was this your first time playing these D&D classes? What did you enjoy about playing them, and did any abilities have a learning curve you weren't expecting? Pronounce Roman Jiv. (laughs) (laughs) hate you so much. (laughs) Be Roman Jiv. This is my first time playing a wizard. Uh, I I think... uh, one of you guys said it just like doing i think it was wally just like just choosing something different than what you usually play uh yeah. kind of similar to sophia i usually yeah. play go- uh, like uh bards and rogues <laughs> i think i've only played bards and rogues mm. um i've only na- i've only just now started to like branch out into other classes um but wizard seemed like a like a like a nice choice just because uh I, I already like spell casting and uh the personality of virila seemed to be pretty well suited for um, for wizards, specifically uh, Order of Scribes wizard, mm. which is I think what Wally had had um, uh, pitched, and I really like that idea. I really like uh, this idea of of an awakened spellbook yes. being able to cast I, spells from them with a like guess. a three hundred foot radius. Yeah. Uh, so like just another place for me for for for, for Virla to like cast spells out of. So um, broken. 
Yeah, and then like this other this other concept that I used very briefly in like one of the earlier sessions, but I haven't really gone back to since is that you can change the damage type of the yeah. spell as long as it's in like the same spell level and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I or think being, I did that in like being able to instantly copy. Uh, well, basically instantly copies. Uh, yeah, the spell the spells. amount of spells that you can mm -hmm. copy yeah. is is the spell time the the time to do so has been dramatically reduced. Yeah. To, just i like it saved your been, thoughts i've been loving it <laughs> mm. kind of yeah. jumping off of that yeah. like i've never played artificer before this campaign i've been playing DD &D for a while and i've played every class except for druid and artificer prior to this campaign although i almost always choose a bard if i if i'm given the option to so the fact that i'm not a bard in this campaign is a, a sheer miracle uh but I, I've been loving Artificer. It's so fun. It's kind of like the best best parts of being a skill monkey while still being able to be effective in combat. Um, I, you know, what I like about Bard is that it's such a flexible class and you can adapt it to a lot of things and Artificer is functioning in a very similar way. Uh, although I have struggled with reminding myself that you can add um, a D8 to <laughs> you for one thing that gets hit with M. I thought it was just spell attack rolls. Now I have yeah. a post-it note that says add your D8 on my laptop, so it's fine. Uh, and similarly, like just as always comes with playing a new class, uh, is just remembering to actually read the descriptions for everything, which I don't have a super high reading comprehension, so I miss stuff. But I, as terms of like flavor and uh, the actual like abilities the class has, I, re I really like Artificer, and I was surpri pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it, uh, since it was, again, one of the two classes I've never played. But I think, as I mentioned, I uh, am technically prepare spells, but I choose not to choose new spells every day. Uh, that is a choice <laughs> that I, the player, am making uh, because I hate preparing spells. It's maybe my least favorite mechanic in 5e, uh, even though it gives you a lot of flexibility. Um, but that's, ju that's just that's just a, a decision I've made. But other than that, love an artificer. I genuinely don't remember if I've played a monk before, honestly. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't have been a 5e monk anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, but like, you know, in, in my in my escapades in 3.5, like I started off with like a ranger rogue multi-class because I just really liked having all them skills, but I also really liked being able to snipe people. Um, and I like I, I played a barbarian for a couple one shots mm. and I, I think I played a bard one time, but like a lot of those were very short games that didn't really last very long because it was like college and everyone was busy. Uh, and it's somewhere in there I might have played like a monk multi-class. I don't know. I fooled around with a lot of classes. You know, you lose track. Yeah. Um, what was but I've never I, played I, it I in 5e, like so. I feel like you probably didn't because, sorry if you interrupt, because when we were assigning uh, uh, attributes when we rolled our characters, you were like, all right, monk, uh, highest goes into strength. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, th maybe they were statted differently in 3.5. I don't remember. It's been uh, so They long. used to be strength-based, I think. Yeah. And all right, then that I'm explains sure it. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Maybe I did play one. I, yeah. I don't remember. It's all so blurry. But they're very different. And, like, they've completely revamped the way the classes work from 3.5 mm -hmm. to 5e. Because, of course, in 3.5, you'd play, like, a core class up to level 10, and then you can get a prestige class. And that's where they were hiding all the weird class features and stuff like that. Uh, so instead of the subclass stuff, which you now select at, like, level 3... It was just like, you know, you get 10 levels in a regular thing and then you get to be weird about it. Uh, whereas in this case, it's like, it's basically a just completely different class depending on which kind of thing you're doing. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you can be like your edgy warlock boy or you can be like a nice warlock boy or you can be like a like a spooky eldritch warlock boy and they're just completely different, which I think is really cool. But like, you know, it, it, they, they've changed where the compartmentalization happens. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Wally, what about you? You you know, you've, you've been around the D&D &D block. Have you ever played a... Uh, yeah, mul I mean... You're multi-classing, so you have a lot of options <laughs> here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two things about me. I'm, I I will either play a ranger or I will multi-class. And uh, <laughs> I, 
am doing both. That's so and incredible. Austin played a stars druid, and I was like, I gotta, I gotta. He had so much fun. Gotta like, I gotta, this. I gotta get in on it. Yeah, stars druid is big fun. Highly recommend. There's nothing better. Than it looks when, so cool. Uh, he doesn't have this level feature yet because he's multi class. But at six level, so... there's nothing better than when your your uh, DM is like, uh, oh yeah, the the bad guy makes their save by one, and you get to go whoa and roll a d6 <laughs> and subtract the number, and then suddenly they fail. It's it awesome. Amazing. Uh, well, this next question comes from Stars in a Jam Jar. Can we actually know what Ioni was doing during Session Zero? What precisely happened there with Kiana? How much of her entire deal was fully fleshed out? I love her so, so much with all my heart, and when I realized our introduction to Ioni was her second narrative appearance, I just developed a burning desire for more. I also realized I went to draw when I went to draw her for the first time, uh, followed by the second and third and more, that we never actually got a description of her beyond the fact that her colors are green. And I pretty much made up my design from oh, her yeah. from scratch. So uh, what does Ioni look like? Also, fully unrelated, will we be catching more of Cressida and Lula about the planescape? So to answer the first part of your question, uh, to know what Ioni was doing during Session Zero, keep an eye out for the upload of Session Zero that is coming shortly, and you can get all those juicy details for yourself. Uh, the TLDR is that she was tracking her down, uh, as many of our villains yeah. have been doing. Uh, but you get to not what I assumed was happening initially. Yeah. I was like, "Wow, they let you out," and she was like, "What? No, <laughs> I'm hunting yeah. you down." And I was like, "Oh, that makes yeah, more sense." Yeah. But like, uh, no, they're pissed. He's like, "Oh, okay. I love the love like, for the." Maybe I changed um... their hearts. Just kidding. <laughs> I love the love for the NPCs of the Planescape. So Austin, can you get, can we get a description for uh, what Ioni's appearance looks like? And uh, do you uh, think we'll see more of our our Drow and her her spider tracker? friend in the future um oh my goodness i can't remember if i described her in session zero or not Ooh, everyone so i'm gonna say time i'm gonna say gonna i don't want to contradict check. anything so i'm gonna say uh-huh. i'm gonna say hold off for session zero but there are f- i will also say there are a few npcs that i've specifically been pretty vague about because i like that people can just like i like people imagining how they look um and I think because it's very unlikely we're going to get official art for every single character. So, uh, uh, how much are we willing to shell out? Um, yes, exactly. So <laughs> I, I like the idea that some of it just belongs to to the fans, and that the version you imagine in your head is better than than the one I could come yeah. up with. Um, and I think that mostly just applies when even when I describe people. But for Ioni, uh, she uh, yeah she wears the same vestments. She is human. Um, and other than that, uh, sort of let your let your imagination run wild. Unless I described her, in which case, uh, that's what she looks like. <laughs> yeah. As far as uh, Crescent and Lula, I don't want to spoil too much for season two, but I think it's safe to say they were um, they were one of she was one of my favorite NPCs to play, and she <laughs> seemed to be a favorite among you guys and the fans. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see her rolling up again. <laughs> we need her in the gala episode, and we need Lula in a bow tie. Amazing! That would be funny as fuck. So funny. She's got a little tray balanced on her. They're undercover. Nobody notices. It's the just table the, um, is a giant spider. Into the Spider-Verse the dramatic irony. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's really funny. Uh, yeah, the dramatic irony is that uh, Lula is powered by a, a, a horrible, horrible demon soul that was harvested in the abyss. So it's like a nasty fun. fucker in there. Uh, no, but yeah, so nice and sweet. But she's a good boy. She's a good boy. Spider. Good girl. Good girl. Actually. Oh, good girl. Incredible. Good boy is gender neutral. We all know that. Good boy is gender neutral. Okay. Yep. This next question comes from Celine. Hello, all. Question to the players: How would a one-on-one meeting be like between you and your characters? Looking forward to season two. 
So what would it be like huh. if you met your character? Uh, Red, we want to start with how you and Kiana would interact. Oh, easy. We just hang out, man. <laughs> <laughs> She's a very simple character, so we're not that different mm-hmm. on like the most fundamental level. And it's like, she's easy to please. I'm easy to please. We can just hang out. <laughs> yeah. I feel like yeah. Danny is all of my like deep hidden impulses made manifest. Like Danny is like the emotions that Sophia's like, no, 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 we're in polite society. We can't just rage all the time. <laughs> Danny's Danny's your Mr. Hyde. Yeah, Danny's my Mr. Hyde. <laughs> but I don't know how, we, like, I think meeting, I would just be like, this bitch is trouble. <laughs> you know? Like, it'd be like, oh, I like you, but we need to, we can't go in public together. Um, <laughs> See? On the flip side, yeah. it'd be the other way for me. <laughs> After a while, Finbar would get tired of me. Um, but, uh, no, uh, other than that, as long as he feeds me, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll be chill. That's true. I feel like Finbar is maybe the NPC, or the PC that I would want to meet the most, because I think meeting Finbar would involve getting yeah. fed a delicious meal by Finbar, and I'm totally okay <laughs> with that. Oh, yeah. 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 I think I'd be kind of freaked out uh, by Virla, because when's the <laughs> last time that I ever saw, like, a... Like a six six foot tall, like functioning. We don't talk robot about how tall, tall Virla is. I think nearly enough. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my I God. don't know how tall Virla is. In I, my, tall my, enough my, to my head settling. is a short king, but <laughs> maybe my my head can't. My 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 template off like visually was like K two S O from Rogue mm, One, like uh, this really tall, lanky tall guy. Tall gangly, yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I guess going He's off of tall. Wally's design, I guess he is a bit of a short king. I I, I don't know. I'm thinking Everyone's maybe the kind of legs are like adjustable, to, but like yeah, you, you don't know where the settings are for that. Yeah. <laughs> Fun. All the right. data sphere you know, with the knob for that it got smashed, and you just don't realize yeah, yeah, you can yeah, gain yeah. like a full foot of height. Nice. <laughs> Growth spurt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with a little winch. Um, so we've got time for one more question here. Uh, if your question was not answered live on this Q&A, then uh, be sure to check your inbox because you will be receiving a response to your question uh, that we will make sure the whole cast gets in on. Um, so never fear, <laughs> you'll get your answers. Uh, but we've got one last question to read here live on the pod. Um, this comes from Nick. What was the plan for the story if Kiana would have been unkidnappable? If Egan hadn't resonated with the crew as well as he did, would Danny have had to be kidnapped as well? Or would another NPC have taken his place instead? Huh. So kind of like alternate universe, Kiana's not kidnapped and Egan is, uh, I guess, not Egan, not Egan, not, not Egan. <laughs> no, no. I'm so sorry. There was so much there. I'm not sure. I Can you, can you say one more second yeah. so what it was? I, I what, it's alternate universe. What was the plan for the story yeah. if Kiana would have been unkidnappable? So we could, you, you didn't manage to get her away. Uh, uh, if Egan yeah. hadn't resonated uh, with the crew as well as he did, would Danny have had to be kidnapped as well, or would another NPC have taken his place? So sort of two bits here. Uh, the first yeah, one this being, feels like two questions. Yeah, yeah. If Kiana yeah, wasn't able to be kidnapped, which I think we touched on earlier, is like, you know, in the, when you're talking about yeah. your uh, schism and how the episodes are being planned, like, what would it, the rest of the season have looked like? And then a second question of like, right. if Egan hadn't really resonated with us as an NPC, aka punching bag, uh... You know, w- would you have tried to kidnap Danny instead, or is there like another NPC that you had planned to kind of fill that void? No. Okay. Yeah. 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 So let's start with the second part because chronologically, mm-hmm. ah. that's uh, that's how it went down. So uh, the thought of and so this is, a, this is a little a little lifting the DM screen, which I don't always like to do. I think it's mm. um, it, uh, done sparingly. It's very useful. Uh, if you lift it too much, you break the verisimilitude. But an important lesson for Dungeon Master, so I'm going to share it. Players, plug your ears if you don't want to <laughs> hear it. Um, but uh, the 
I originally thought the intellect devourer might attack might attack Danny huh. because she would be on the ship so much and she is useful. Uh, Aww. Uh, for a very specific reason, she's very useful to them. Or or maybe at first I thought maybe Kiana, but I was like, no, they need Kiana's brain, so they can't just yes. have that get eaten by an intellect devourer. <laughs> so I thought maybe maybe Danny. Um, but there's always never. Here's a lesson: never call for a roll you're not prepared to go south. Because <laughs> if I had had the intellect devourer attack her, and for by some reason she fails her save, and I rolled crazy high on the dice, I actually don't even know if it was possible to. Um, with her intelligence, three d six. Yeah, I, technically it was possible. I could have rolled high enough. That just would have been the end of Danny, and that would have sucked for Sophia. I a assume. lot of reasons. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so instead, I I thought, okay, well, I'll create a character that um, oh, I can't remember who I was basing it off of. Now I'll see if I can remember. But uh, I, I was like, I'll just create like a background character who can kind of like go, who can kind of like go in, and it'll be. It won't be weird that they've been introduced because they're at a place that Danny knows, but then um, can get swept away and they can fail uh, against the intellect devourer and get taken over. And then it'll just be this um, cool, like uh, uh, this cool little in- encounter where this person they barely know um, suddenly acts really weird. And they're like, what was that about? Uh, and then as a gift, <laughs> Sophia was like, invented an entire relationship with his character immediately. Because I came up with the idea of Egan like two days before or something like that. Because I was like, oh, crap. Now that I know the Intellect Devourer is aboard, I needed to get in someone. And I thought about Danny. And I was like, no, it can't be Danny. So I came up with this character. And it was nothing in backstory. Uh, (laughs) Sophia just totally as a gift made this character this great relationship. And it ended up having this great dynamic when when it went south. Um, And I I think you really nailed it. Because it was the perfect amount Mm -hmm. of like... You're kind of close to him, but also it's not like your best friend, so it's not too tragic. It just really sucked. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I thought that that worked out. Uh, that w- that was the Egan. Did I answer the Egan part successfully? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yes. We we okay, yes cool. ended so our way into part, an emotional gut punch. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> the second part. What if Kiana wasn't kidnapped? Uh, again, something you got to be prepared for is the dice can always go. I was pretty confident because the retriever is really fucking tough. I was pretty yeah. confident it would happen. But again, you guys, uh, I totally didn't even consider you bringing um, Maxim in. If you had brought Maxim in, that fight would have gone way differently. And in fact, you had the idea and executed. The dice just weren't in your favor um, in terms of getting him there fast enough. But it was totally possible for Maxim to come in and fuck shit up. And uh, you guys probably, probably wouldn't have been kidnapped. Uh, in which case... Either I would have had to consult my notes and see if it was reasonable that the Mind Flayers had the ability and the drive to come to you. So then it would have been a, the Mind Flayers show up in the, in the Dreadnought and it would have been, it would have been, Mm. yep, it would have been Death Star. You got, it would have been very similar to episode three with you guys probably trying to escape or maybe going aboard and fighting your way through to save monks and kill, like, you know, kill the Illithid. Um, yeah. I don't know how you guys would have approached that. Uh, it would have been that, or it would have been com- something completely different. I, I had to come up with if I decided that the uh, the dreadnought showing up was a little too. I have to like force the force the puzzle pieces to fit. Um, mm. You never want to, you know, you never want to force force that conflict when they make decisions and the dice reinforce those decisions that uh, lead one way in a story, you don't want to backpedal to be like, well, I had this cool moment, so let's make that mm. happen anyway. 
So it would have had to be something completely different, and it might have um, uh, might have tied to Virla, maybe. Like maybe maybe there would have been more more answers about Virla um, or uh, or something like that. But yeah, I would have had to come up with. I had more episode ideas, just none of them seemed very season finale. So I would have had to crank yeah. them up to make them season finale. -y. I think it's, you That's know, and the things that could have been might still pay dividends in the future. I, I know the, the placement of Egan, like like you mentioned, uh, when I gave you my backstory, other than, like, Otto, I don't think we had, maybe maybe uh, Zach's the um, fire fire dwarf guy. I'm pretty sure I made Zach's Yeah, up, I think you made him Because I was up. like, so, I gotta yeah, have the Those are the two NPCs in the, in the heap that I knew about. Egan was a complete surprise, and uh, I just like to guess and characters, and it wasn't a chance to, you know, show that Danny is still kind of an asshole. Um but that's inspired me yeah, for season two to, out. like, flesh out the crew of the Heap a bit more. So, you know, we might be seeing some similar things in the future. Um, and kind of tied into that, like, you know, Kiana not getting kidnapped would have changed the trajectory of the story. But it also means that Austin has a chance to save some of those possible other episodes for season two. So, you know, the things yeah. that yeah, have... there would have... Yeah. Yeah. The things that have... Personal... It would have come back later. Mm -hmm. Oh. I mean, my, my personal thing was in... I think it was six... Yeah, in, in episode six, when Virla had sort of, like, cracked open this mystery or whatever, uh, my first thought was, oh, okay, so, you know, we'll spend the next episode going to Mechanus, uh, but then we are absolutely going to go to the Prime Material <laughs> Plan and try and find these Mind Flayers and kill them. Yeah. It's the least we could do for Kiana. <laughs> um, and then it, and then I was trying to think of, like, how are we going to find them, yada, yada, yada. Uh, so to, to, to me, Austin, you just kind of, uh, you, 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 you accelerated Virla's goals by just, like, Helping figure out where <laughs> to kill those mind players. Yeah, whatever you want to advance. It's interesting so, to, to kidnap that. one of us. It'll be fine. <laughs> Proactive player. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, DMs. Be very careful kidnapping your players. Reddit is an incredibly yes. good sport. Normally, <laughs> on a on a on a, a not podcast, if I thought a character was going to get kidnapped, I would speak to the player beforehand mm -hmm. to yep. let them know that it could yeah. happen and just make sure they're cool with it. Um, I put a lot of trust uh, in in Red, as I'm sure she doesn't need as a DM for that <laughs> moment to work out dramatically, and I appreciate that she uh, uh, went with it as well as she did, and again got a, a little extra feet for for yeah. playing along with a very difficult story. Yeah. So. It was nice. Yeah. I did want to say that uh, I I was sort of contemplating like you know what does this revelation mean to Kiana, and I think if the kidnapping hadn't happened, she would have had to kind of make the decision to go back to this place she'd spent so much time running mm -hmm. away from to try and help because it's like do I care about free more than I care about everyone else who was stuck there uh and the answer is you know it, it's a tough decision it's really scary uh but getting kidnapped kind of made the decision for me so I, I can continue to not use my brain for stuff <laughs> nice. which I appreciate uh, um, and, yeah. you, and that's actually a good that's a good point never be afraid to conspire with your players um when we were coming up on episode seven I asked uh noir i was like oh, oh yeah are you gonna are you gonna like look into like now might be a good time to like look into that uh you know your backstory stuff because I I had hoped mm -hmm. and of course um, I I planned for a botch to uh, you know I planned that a botch roll would still have some effects. You roll a natural one on one of those checks, and <laughs> the answer uh, as a result of the thing was like, oh, you get like a big question mark instead of any answers, and uh, but you knew to you you were smart enough to ask people new questions, which led you to Magnus eventually. Anyway, but. Um, uh, coming up on what I knew had to be the plot, I prompted you and was like, "Why not? You know, like you mentioned doing this. Like this episode would be a good time to do that." Uh, it it might have been the same way where I, I might have prompted Red and been like, "You know, like are you interested? You interested in going back there? Because if you are, now might be a good time." Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it were up to me at the time, then that would have been a tricky decision. But like 
fortunately, the kidnapping definitely smoothed things over there. And now it's like, <laughs> if we want to chase down the mind flayers, like that's that that's where that decision can can be sitting now. Yeah. But like for now, I'm like, oh heck yeah, problem yeah. solved. I think it was. I think it all it all worked out for the best in the end. But it's it's always interesting to kind of game out like, oh, what well, what could have been. Uh, but we'll hesitate yep. to. I hesitate to do too much gaming of that out because of course we have season two coming up and there's a lot of threads that yes. we might pull there. Um, but that kind of brings us up to time oh on this uh, postseason <laughs> decompression Q and A again. If your question was not answered, keep Woo! an eye out an e- for an email from the cast uh, in the coming weeks. Um, thank you guys so much for all for all listening and playing along with us. We've really enjoyed. I, I think like closing thoughts for everyone is that we've really enjoyed making this. Um, it's been a delight to get yeah. to not only play with this table but to share the adventure with all of you. Uh, and I'm personally so excited for where we could possibly go in season two. Right now, that information resides exclusively in the halls of Austin's mind. Um, yeah, I should probably figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but uh, yeah. but uh, th- thank you all for listening, and uh, keep an eye out in the coming weeks for for more fun stuff to kind of help bridge the gap. But until next time, uh, we will we will we'll uh, we'll tap out for now. Head back to the astral sea, regroup, and have share another yub nub feast, courtesy of hopefully the Feywild family, and hopefully this time <laughs> I will remember it. Hell yeah! Yep. Kidnapping free this time. Yes, thank, all thanks right. all for listening, and adios. <laughs>